when you talk to clinicians who are actually directly testing hydration with their clients, they say it's more like 100%, that they never see a single person, whether that person feels ill or well when they come into the office who is perfectly hydrated. And this is because our modern lifestyles are constantly drying us out, right? We we live in a desert without even realizing it. And this is really important because, you know, most people I'm sure have heard that you're 70% water and that's true by volume. But molecularly speaking, if you were to count all of the molecules in your body, you're 99.92% water, roughly 99.89 to 99.95. So basically for every thousand molecules in your body, 999 and a half of them are water. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is International Ambassador of Water, Isabel Friend. As a student, servant and steward of water, Isabel seamlessly blends science and spirit into a comprehensive cosmology of water wisdom, spanning the practical insights of health, hydration and biology to empowering tactics for watershed guardianship and ecological activism, to the esoteric and subtle insights of ancient indigenous water wisdom, to the heady scientific discoveries of cutting-edge water research, Isabel's offerings are as multifaceted as water itself. She has taught about water throughout the USA, Canada, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Bali, Mexico and Thailand. Isabel is deeply devoted to helping you embody the empowerment that is inherent in being a body of water living on a body of water. Because water is life and life is sacred. If you enjoy today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review on the podcast platform of your choice. Your opinions matter and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind and to live their dreams. A big thank you to our sponsors by Optimizers, Paleo Valley, Organifi and our newest sponsors, Ned and Wild Pastures. Their support is essential in producing this podcast and we hope you will show your support by visiting them online and trying all the amazing products they produce. And now over to Paul and Isabel as they talk about the secrets of water. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, we're going to talk about the secrets of water with Isabel Friend, who is an amazing woman that I was turned on to by my buddy, Steve Panico. And he went and studied water with her and his girlfriend, Marina, for a week in Mexico. And he brought his manual back and showed it to me and showed me some of the other things Isabel had written. And, and it was clear to me she really knows what's going on. So I reached out to her because I wanted to have a chance for you guys to hear what's in Isabel's mind and heart and soul with regard to water. And uh, I can assure you, you're in for a very interesting ride. So Isabel, welcome to Living 4D. I'm excited to share you. Thanks so much, Paul. I'm really excited to be here with you. Thanks for bringing me on. You know, I'd love it if you can share an overview of your background and what your interests and passions are and what led you to devoting so much time to the study of and working with water. Yeah, gladly. So my water journey kind of started in 2009 when I was living in Brooklyn and I was a nutritionist at the time. I was studying nutrigenomics specifically, which is the study of how uh, different kinds of food affect our gene expression. And I was realizing that the more we eat wild food, the more wild and non-domesticated our gene expression. We can rewild ourselves in a way by foraging and wildcrafting our food. And then I started to think, well, what about water? What if we forage and wildcraft water? So I started drinking exclusively from wild springs. And that's when I 
discovered the work of Victor Schauberger and just drinking that water alone made such a huge shift in my life in very subtle ways, but mind, body, and spirit, everything, it just had a cascade effect. And then I discovered Victor Schauberger and that's when I really got hooked on his work. He was a naturalist from the late 1800s. He basically had a better water understanding than even the most advanced modern hydrologists do. Um, And I started to realize, wow, water really holds the keys to all of our toughest questions as a species. So yeah, Schauberger kind of got me in and then I've been studying water ever since, ever since 2009. Yeah, his books are incredible. I think I have probably eight. I've got all the books by Callum Coates. I'm sure you're familiar with Callum Mm -hmm. Coates. Yeah, those are great translations. They can be dense, but they're good. They are dense, yeah. But uh, the one thing I love about Victor Schauberger's work is he not only talks about water, but he talks about you know, many of the principles that are, that are active in nature, and he gives very comprehensive, for example, uh, examples of yin and yang and and just the anabolic and catabolic forces. And uh, for those listening that may not know, Victor Schauberger was, uh, ended up in one of Hitler's um, concentration camps. And at gunpoint, they took him aside and told him he must build a flying saucer at Hitler's demand, and they brought all the scientists that had been captured and let him choose among them. And he uh, successfully built a flying saucer, but they couldn't control it, which may have been him trying to protect the world. But uh, apparently, and he used hydrodynamic principles and the principles that fish use to swim upstream. And uh, are you familiar with that story, Isabel? Yeah, it was called the Repel Scene. It was based on the levitative properties of water, which are really fascinating. I mean, we, our society is very familiar with gravity. We've basically mastered gravitation, but we got to look to water for levitation. Yeah, so the story ends with them testing it, and it <laughs> flew, blew right the roof flew right off in the, the building. Roof, yep. <laughs> I think he said it went like 1,500 feet up in the air, and then they lost control of it. And, and that was the end of I've heard their flying saucer. I've heard it's still flying equivalent. around somewhere in the atmosphere. You can catch a <laughs> glimpse of it over Austria every now and then. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I didn't know that part of the story. <laughs> and legend has it that some people have tried to replicate what he did and make their own repel scenes out of like um, a washing machine or a dryer. And then their washing machine escaped and started flying. <laughs> Truth is well, at least we know <laughs> we at least we know that we do have access to free energy yeah uh, we just have to figure out how to control it but uh when i read the story you know my deepest intuition was that victor schauberger purposely set it up that way so that hitler couldn't use that to, to do the same thing he was already doing to victor schauberger mm. so uh Yeah. And, you know, his story actually gets even more tragic from there. I'm sure you know, he was brought over to the States after the war. And the US basically blackmailed him for all of his knowledge, all of his research, all of his patents, all of his information. They took all of his uh, materials, which is heartbreaking, because it means that we don't have access to most of his writings now. And then they sent him back to Austria. And everyone who knew him said that at that point, after that, he was just a shell of a man. He was absolutely his his soul had been stolen from him. They said that the that the Americans stole his soul. And he died very shortly thereafter. Yeah, it's sort of the same story as Tesla Mm -hmm. in many ways, and many, many others. Um, I've got a book in my library 
by, I think it's Dan Haley called The Politics of Healing, and it documents 12 or more doctors and therapists that came up for cures with cancer, for cancer and various other things. And all of them mysteriously were found dead with a suicide note. And in every single case, their family said there's no possible way that this person committed suicide. They were way too in love with their work, their life, and were passionate about things. So, you know, the United States government has got a long history of doing what it's doing in mass right now. Yeah, for sure. And especially in water censorship and water suppression as well, because water really holds the keys to to free energy, to levitation, to prosperity, to creating, you know, abundant food forests out of deserts, to all kinds of things that would really free humanity from the chains that we're in. And, um, you know, for example, Stanley Meyer, I don't know if you're familiar with, with him. He, no. he invented a car that could run a hundred miles on a single gallon of water. And you could use any kind of water for this. You could just take straight lake water with one gallon. You could run the car for a hundred miles. And, um, they, they tried to get his patents and he refused to sell right around the same time. And I think it's really interesting that throughout history, you see again and again that like similar things will pop up around the world right around the same time. Like the collective consciousness is just kind of ready for this kind of thing. There was also a Japanese company that developed very similar patents for an engine, but they did sell out to uh, big oil and sold their patents. But Stanley Myers refused and his last words were he was um he was in a restaurant he took a sip of cranberry juice and then he stood up clutched his throat and said i've been poisoned and killed over dead you know on that note that's sad but it doesn't surprise me at all unfortunately not long ago actually within the last several months maybe a year i don't know if you remember this there was a a guy and they talked about this on um info wars alex jones info wars uh, it was a black man who got shot in a gro- like a corner store, like a Seven Eleven or something like that, and killed. And it turned out that they were, you know, trying to make some story around him, you know, being a robber or some crazy thing. I don't remember the exact details. But on further investigation, it turns out that this guy was a genius inventor, and he also had invented a technique for running automobiles on water and had converted his own car to run on water and it would do the same thing get like over 100 gallons by miles to the gallon and uh he was a very very skilled inventor and you know a lot of people knew who he was and um so it, it the people that investigated it tied this to the fact that the government did not want his technologies getting out but they framed him as though he was some kind of you know hoodlum robbing a mm. store and it turned out to be that it was FBI agents that staged the whole damn thing. So, you know, the, 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 the sort of odd introduction to this whole discussion is, is that water holds a lot of secrets. Yes. And the people that also understand those secrets are often in great danger due to the Rockefellers and, and that brotherhood that want to keep a lid on anything that will set people free and give them uh, an ability to free themselves from the matrix of total control, which we're all very steeped in right now. Yes, it can be dangerous. And the more of us start looking into water wisdom and really equipping ourselves and empowering ourselves to understand the, the incredible 
power inherent in being a body of water, living on a body of water, when water itself has direct access to the infinite intelligence and energy of the universe, the less dangerous it becomes. This is our birthright. This is every single one of our responsibilities as a body of water. This is our human responsibility is to be a student and a steward and a servant and a caretaker of water. And we need to learn how to do that in a really effective way. And I think that if we hope to have a future on this planet of life and thriving ecosystems, we have to center the source of life itself. We have to center water in all of our discussions, whether they're discussions of energy or medicine or agriculture or climate, you name it, water has the keys to all of those. Yeah, you know, I live in northeast san diego and it's a pretty dry region as you know and in the summertime it can get pretty dry and kind of almost desert looking but if it rains real good one time and you wake up the next morning the whole place just turns green and explodes with life Mm -hmm. you know so being in a place like this i'm constantly reminded of how powerful water is and when we started watering our plants with our own well water, which is a thousand foot deep well and solid rock. The first thing is that the water, when I first tasted it, it blew my mind because it had a sweetness to it. And, mm-hmm. and our gardener and handyman who's worked with us, worked here on this property for 20 years and comes from Mexico. When he tasted it with me, he goes, Paul, he says, this is what we call sweet water yeah. in Mexico. Oh, this is the say. best stuff. It's the best. And so what, what I'm leading to here, though, we started watering Angie's. We have orchards that Angie and Penny, mostly Angie plants. But um, I think we've got 120-something trees, plus we had some pre-existing ones. But once we started using our well water, it was mind-boggling to see the difference in the city water. Mm-hmm. And Freddie came to me and Angie one day and he said, I've never seen trees grow this fast in my entire life. He says, whatever's in that water, these trees love it. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, it's, it, when you look at uh, just how toxic the water people drink is and all the things you and I both know about and, and you understand the physiological and psychological effects that water quality has on people, you can see that, you know, when you start looking into things like fluoride and fluorine and all this other shit they put in water and how unnecessary it is, you can see that there's ulterior motives Mm -hmm. going on. I mean, some people would argue with that, but I've got too much knowledge on these subjects to say, look, if you start looking into these chemicals and what other alternatives we have for keeping water healthy and clean and free of bacteria and, and toxic agents it's it's unnecessary and it, it's very traumatic to people's health mm-hmm. uh, isabel you know i know that with all your knowledge on water you can probably tell us what the three or four most important things you think everybody should know about water are so i'd like to sort of dive into our our kind of exploration of water there and i i did this on purpose because not everybody listens to long podcasts all the way through so i wanted to make sure that if they only made it for a few minutes that they got hit with the most important three or four things to think about and know about. So I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, Well, it's really tough to narrow them down because like I said, I've been studying water for 14 years. I still learn something new every day. She's endlessly fascinating. But if I had to pick just 
three things I would say the most important definitely is that water is a conscious living being or that she has the capacity to be highly conscious, highly intelligent. Most of the water that people encounter is actually dormant though. So people don't have this experience of water as being highly conscious, a conscious living being. And just like any other living being, water can be healthy or sick. Just like every other living being, water has a life cycle. Water can be young or old. Water can be mature or immature. Water can be awake or asleep. And the water that most people drink is sick, immature, comatose water. But as a living being itself, in fact, as the body of life, as the incarnation of life itself, the quality of the life force energy of the water that you drink correlates directly to your own life force energy as a human body of water. And in fact, um, it was the the biologist, Dr. Gilbert Ling, who, when he was asked, what is life? Like fundamentally, what is life? He said, life is structured water and death is destructured oh, water. Oh, wow. So understanding water as, as a living being, as the vessel of life and really cultivating a relationship with water is the key to vitality, to unlocking your own life force energy, your prana, your mana, your chi, not only personally, but also in our watersheds, in our ecosystems, in our communities, and as you discovered in your garden as well. And then I think the second thing that would be really important to know is that if you're listening to this podcast, you're dehydrated. (laughs) (laughs) If you are breathing right now, you are dehydrated. If you are a modern human living an even remotely modern lifestyle on this planet, you're dehydrated. Pretty much everyone is. So the most conservative estimates say that 75% of the population is dehydrated. But when you talk to clinicians who are actually directly testing hydration with their clients, they say it's more like 100%, that they never see a single person, whether that person feels ill or well when they come into the office, who is perfectly hydrated. And this is because our modern lifestyles are constantly drying us out, right? We we live in a desert without even realizing it. And this is really important because, you know, most people I'm sure have heard that you're 70% water and that's true by volume. But molecularly speaking, if you were to count all of the molecules in your body, you're 99.92% water, roughly 99.89 to 99.95. So basically for every thousand molecules in your body, 999 and a half of them are water. So it's not just that your body uses water, your body is water. And it's that hydration that is what conducts your prana, your mana, your chi. In fact, the test that we use to measure hydration measures the amount of voltage, the amount of chi at your cell membranes. It's a one-to-one ratio. They're the same measurement. How much chi you have is how much hydration you have, period. Because it's that hydroelectricity across that draws the water across the cell membranes. I think... Um, Uh, Dr. Zach Bush said it really well. He said, you know, just like you plug a computer into an electrical grid, your body also has a plug. And through its water molecules, you can access infinite free energy. So when you're well hydrated, when you're well plugged in, you literally have access to all of the energy of the universe. And this isn't just physical vitality. It's also spiritual energy. He also said, you know, you can't have a spiritual experience without water. You can't have a spiritual awareness of your identity if you're dehydrated. And we see that in so many scriptures around the world, right? Christ is considered to be the living waters. He said, you know, connect with divine consciousness. I'll open living waters on the inside of you. It's in so many religions. 
But I think the main takeaway here for, for point number two is that you're dehydrated, but just drinking more water will not necessarily hydrate you. If just drinking more water could hydrate you, then we would all be hydrated, right? But it's a lot more nuanced than that. And it involves a lifestyle shift. It's not only the quality of water you drink, making sure that the water you drink is actually living and vibrant and vital and alive. It's also really cultivating the state of your internal bio waters um, and the lifestyle shift away from drying influences. Yeah, before you go to the third one, I just wanted to share, Doc, you must be familiar with the book, the Bo- Your Body's Many Cries for Water Dr. by Dr. Batman-Gelich. Yeah, I love him. Is that how you say it? I, I, I've never known how to pronounce it, neither does anyone else I know. It's a tricky one. Is it Gelich? We just call him Dr. Batman. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we, 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 we have a tendency to call him that too, or, or uh, Dr. B, but, um, yeah, he said 90%, but um, I wanted to ask you, are you familiar with the pinch test for testing for hydration? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So for the listeners, I'll tell you how to do it. If you just take the back of your hand, so the, the top of your hand, not the bottom where, you know, you're, the back of your hand, and you just pinch the skin, like as much as you can pinch, and then let it go, the, the longer it takes to snap back, the more dehydrated you are. I've had patients that it took three seconds for the skin to flatten out, which is pretty shocking. It should really just release almost like a rubber band, mm-hmm. kind of not quite so snappy, but just pop back into place. And I'm pretty good right now in the morning time. I drink a lot of water. So it's usually the afternoon after about a number of vaporized bags that I dry myself out. But I, I've gotten to the point through just testing and being aware that I think the first place I notice dehydration coming on is my cognitive performance. Mm-hmm. Where do you notice the dehydration setting in? Yeah, definitely. If I feel myself starting to get um, a little tired, like a little droop in the afternoon, or I have trouble focusing or trouble concentrating, or I notice that things just kind of bug me a little bit more, like I get more easily annoyed by things. There's just less flow, you know, less things don't roll off my back quite as easily. It just everything needs a little bit more lubrication in the in the mental and emotional and and um yeah, intellectual systems. And I, I think that's a decent, like general measure, but I don't think that's an incredibly accurate measure of hydration because, you know, children, for example, have so much elasticity. It, 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 probably not, but I think it's practical. It's pra- it can be practical, but I would say, I would recommend that most people get a phase angle test if they want a more accurate measurement because someone can have a lot of skin elasticity, but still have localized drought in specific areas of the body. So drought can manifest in different places. Dehydration can manifest in a lot of different ways. It's not just how much water you have in your body. It's also the mineral content and the mineral composition of the water. So even if you have plenty of water on board, but the mineral composition of that bio water doesn't mimic the uh, the mineral composition of marine plasma during the Cambrian period. Like our our blood plasma is the exact has the exact same mineral ratios as marine plasma during the Cambrian period when vertebrates first left. The only reason we can walk on land is because we learn to carry the oceans within us as our own bloodstream. But with that, when that mineral composition deviates, then that's a state of dehydration and mineral deficiencies have been associated with almost every state of disease. Or for example, if you have plenty of water, you might not get the the same um, effect with your skin elasticity. But, you know, if you have too much deuterium 
in your bio water, then that's going to be another manifestation of dehydration where you have this isotopic ratio that's off balance. And so you're going to start getting, you know, molecular crowding and there's going to be less um, structurization of your intracellular fluid. So even though you technically have plenty of water, you know, volumetrically speaking, it's not expressing in a healthy way. And therefore you can still be in a state of dehydration or if your bio water is destructured um, for various reasons, or if you just have um, uh, an inability for your bio water to transition between the different hydrological cycles of the body. So like if your if your blood isn't transitioning very well from blood to lymph or from blood to cerebral spinal fluid and back again, you need this, this, um, continuous flow in your hydrology. And then if you don't have that, that can be another manifestation of dehydration. So there are like four or five different ways that you can be hydrated that are not just how much water you have on board. Like edema would be a good example of that. You know, for example, if the all of the water is is pooling in the ankles, then you've got plenty of water, but it's just not where it needs to be. Yeah. Aching joints is also mm-hmm. another one. Um, a lot of what people think is arthritis and end up getting treated for uh, as osteoarthritis turns out to be in many cases dehydration, because I've tested this with countless patients over the years, and um, I've had the phase angle test on me. Um, I can't. I'm trying to remember the name of the machine Angie uses. Angie, my second wife, um, she uses. Uh, God, I can't remember the name, but it's a comprehensive system that's been around for a while. But it does test a lot of stuff on you. And, and, uh, it was kind of funny. She first tested me when I was 54 and it'll tell you what your cellular age is based on the uh, phase angle of the water and the, the uh, permeability of the cell wall. And I tested out to be 10 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) She looked at me and she's like, I don't know how this is happening. She had to test me again. It's amazing. Well, that's when I told her, I said, you know, I, that's when I explained her how I charge my water and, and, you know, where I get my water from. And, and I then built her a water charger in her then yard. But she, we, we, that was when we first got together, but she lives with us now. So, and it has been for over 10 years. So we're all drinking super quality charged water. I'm sure most of you are aware, even though you may not like the taste of organs, that organ meats are extremely important and good for you. And I've got great news for you. Paleo Valley makes an amazing grass-fed organ complex that's unique and better than anything I've ever found out there. So much better. I wanted you to hear right from Autumn Smith, its creator, exactly what you're going to get from their grass-fed organ complex. Autumn, get us informed on why we should be using your amazing organ complex. Okay. Well, like you said, organ meats are nature's multivitamins. And when we use them, we feel this energy and this stamina. And most people don't like the flavor. So what we did was we took grass-fed and finished organs like liver and heart and kidney, and we just put them into capsules so that you can get all the benefits, the beautiful benefits of organ meats without actually having to taste them, without liver burps, of course. And they're just freeze-dried. So again, they're not processed heavily in any way whatsoever, and they are sourced from American farmers using regenerative agricultural practices. And I sincerely hope you love it. Save 15% on your Paleo Valley Organ Complex by going to paleovalley.com forward slash C-H-E-K-15. That's P-A-L-E-O valley.com forward slash C-H-E-K-15. No promo code is required. 
the other thought that I wanted to throw in before we get to your next point is that I've tested a tremendous number of people drinking reverse osmosis water. <laughs> and no matter how much they drink, they mm-hmm. always have severe symptoms of dehydration. And the water, when I test the pH on it, is almost always very acidic. So that's one of the other tips I'll throw in since we're talking about it. reverse osmosis filtration can actually, if you don't keep the filtration system up to service, it also they have a high incidence of getting parasite infections. I've had a lot of people get parasite infections from their reverse osmosis water filters. And, uh, you know, drinking acidic, overly filtered water like that is not a very healthy thing at all. But a lot mm-hmm. of people have been convinced to believe that these reverse osmosis filtration systems are the best systems out there. Yeah, that seems to be the common perspective, but unfortunately it just does not hold up <laughs> at all to biology. There's, it's, it's what hydrologists call an aggressive solvent, which means it will actually leach minerals from you over the long term. So even though you're drinking water, it can dehydrate you in the long term. It's been linked to things like diuresis and heart disease, and um, it's what Victor Schauberger calls an immature water. So basically an immature water lacks structure. It lacks any of the maturing influences of um, uh, energetic signatures and frequencies that inform the water, that educate the water um, and kind of give it a well-rounded profile, right? You want your water to be a whole well-rounded being because it is a living being. It should contain, you know, a full spectrum of of light frequencies and sound frequencies and minerals and electrolytes and and structure and all of that. Um, And, you know, Schauberger described immature water as being like a baby, you know, it it reaches out and grasps anything in its environment because it's just, it's trying to learn. It's trying to fill itself up. It's hungry. It's, you know, babies are needy. And so until water becomes mature, it doesn't have anything to give back. You know, if you're drinking mature water, it's full of vibratory information and, uh, you know, electrical and light frequencies and all this. And it has so much to give. It has so much to share with your biology, but immature water just takes. You know, I created an acronym uh, based on that concept alone. I don't think I ever shared that with you, but I think you might find it interesting. Uh, The acronym I created is ECHO, E-C-H-O, and it stands for the things that uh, need to be present in water for it to be vital and healthy. So it has to have the right energy profile, has to have the right chemical profile, and it has to have the right organisms in order to effectively hydrate you and nourish you. So energy, chemistry, hydration, and or- organisms. And it turns out that that, that that acronym is exactly what has to be present in any natural environment for it to be healthy. Mm-hmm. If the energy is disruptive, such as 5G and uh, you know any form of electromagnetic pollution or any other number of sources of energy that can be toxic, if the chemical profile is disrupted, such as chem- uh, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, rodenticides, uh, industrial chemicals, uh, if the organisms are thrown out of balance because the previous ones that I just mentioned are out of balance or they're being taught uh, poisoned. And then you have things like we have now all over the world with fish and creatures having um, problems with sex organs being going into malfunction and, and all sorts of biological distortions and things that are showing clear signs that we're entirely poisoning the planet. So that the, The point being is the acronym is to make the point of not only what has to be in water, but that whatever we do to our environment echoes back at us. Mm -hmm. 
So if we improve the environment like I did with the well and the water charger, all of a sudden everything gets beautiful and green. But if we just damage the water, then things stop growing and start getting diseases. So just a tip for those of you listening, remember that healthy water has to have the right E, energy, C, chemistry to hydrate you. It has to also have the right organisms in it. And, you know, most people don't realize if you look at water under a microscope, it's pretty alive and there's a lot in there, a lot of living <laughs> things in there, you know. So, um, you know, people people get afraid of that stuff, but they forget that those things are very, very important. Um, and one of the things that I'll share that was brought up, I believe it was Royal Lee um, made this point. And, I, and I've got the collected papers of Royal Lee, the founder of Standard Process Laboratories. And he said one of the most important things is to drink water from natural sources in your environment because it gives you a homeopathic dose of all the pathogens that are in the environment so that your immune system could develop antibodies to it so that your body can then protect itself. But if you keep bringing in water from external sources, your body can't read the environment. So then when you get a parasite, even at a low level, you're, it'll infect you before you can develop antibodies against it. So those are just a couple of things I wanted to throw on the table. Sorry for interjecting, but um, if you have anything to add or you want to go to your next point, please feel free. Yeah, I know. I agree with everything that you said. Water in nature is a, is a probiotic. And naturally, we yeah. should be drinking this, this full spectrum dose of medicine, basically, that comes directly from the earth that weaves us into the local hydrology of the place where we live. We, as a body of water, are an intimate part of our ecosystem. But what what actually connects us to that ecosystem is largely the food that we eat, the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, and the water that we drink should be full of all of these microorganisms that we need to survive in that environment. But of course, water nowadays has been so absolutely, um, oh, what's the word, sterilized in so many ways, and it's just devoid of, of all of the medicinal qualities that make spring water so incredibly therapeutic. And, um, and I love what you were sharing before that, you know, what we do to water becomes our fate. What we do to water, yes. we do to ourselves. And I think that's very true personally. What you do to your personal drinking water becomes your fate, becomes your destiny. Most people are drinking water that has been highly traumatized. Remember, water is a living being. And it has been through pipes and taps and pumps and plants and chemical additives. It's been sitting stagnant. It's been imprisoned in bottles, all of these things. The water that most people drink is highly traumatized. And so is the collective psyche on a grand scale. Um, and then also what we do to water collectively becomes humanity's fate. In fact, Victor Schauberger actually predicted this over a hundred years ago. He said, based on what he could see that people were doing to waters in the environment at that point in time, over a hundred years ago, he predicted that over time, humanity would become less intelligent and less emotionally mature. And we can see that as a direct result. He also predicted all of the, mm -hmm. all of the climatological changes that we're now seeing. He predicted them as a result of, uh, of the hydrological shifts. But um, I, think, I think if I were to, yeah. I, so I think that actually that kind of segues into the third point because I think the third point is that water 
holds the, the all of the keys to all of humanity's toughest questions. It is the source of life, and we have to turn to the source for answers. We have to get over this hubris of thinking that we know it all or we can figure it all out. Babe, it's been figured out. Nature figured it out. Water is the original wisdom. The, the wisdom doesn't come from artificial intelligence. It comes from original intelligence, and water is nature's original intelligence. So, you know, whether we're talking about climate or agriculture or energy or any of this, water holds the keys for it, right? Like water is the source. Like it just, if we were to just look at energy, for example, how do we provide clean, low cost, accessible to energy to everybody in a decentralized way? Well, in nature, water is the source of all life force energy in nature, specifically spiraling water. In fact, it was Leonardo da Vinci who said that water is the driving force of nature. And it is possible as we've said, to derive free and nearly free energy from water. Stanley Myers invented that car. Apparently other people have invented these cars, these motors as well. Victor Schauberger invented a free energy device based on vortexes in Tesla's later work. He was getting really into water. Tesla was actually studying Schauberger in his later work. Gil Brown, Walter Russell, they talked a lot about infinite free energy from hydrogen and from water plasma. Schauberger actually said there's more energy encapsulated in every drop of good spring water than an average sized power station is able to produce. And it's true. And if you look at medicine, for example, like we're, we're in an absolute health crisis on this planet. Chronic diseases are at an all time high. This is the first generation where we will not outlive our parents. We clearly have the poorest health we've had in human history. According to the WHO, 80% of diseases worldwide are caused by unclean drinking water. And according to Dr. Batman Gellage and others, and like many others who have been researching and studying hydration, actually all states of disease are reflective of a state of dehydration, whether that is depleted biowater or destructured biowater or deuterated biowater or demineralized biowater or just the stagnation of biowater, these different states of dehydration are at the core of all disease because what happens if you, for example, have localized drought in one area of your body, you get inflammation in that area, you get acidity in that area. Dehydration is always at the root. And when you, when you talk to these doctors that are treating hydration first, the results that they are receiving are absolutely astounding, right? And if you ask any indigenous medicine keeper as well, they'll tell you that water is nature's primary medicine. You know, you've got Dr. Albert St. Georgie, Dr. Mushik John, um, Dr. Rustin Roy, Dr. Jacques Benveniste, all of these guys, Dr. Dr. Um, Dr. Mangalage, May Wan Ho. They all predicted that one day water itself will be used as medicine, that water is the primary medicine, and that we don't need anything more than that if we truly understand the wisdom in water. So, and there are so many different types of waters that prove this too. Like it's not just just water, just spring water. There's double helix water. There's deuterium depleted water. There's Canton marine plasma. There's molecular hydrogen water. There's magnetized water. There's homeopathic water. There's infraceutical water, not to mention some of the springs around the world, like the, the spring at Bernadette's Grotto in Lourdes, France, or the spring at Tlacote, uh, uh, Tlacote in Mexico, or Nadana in India. These waters are so miraculously healing that pilgrims have traveled thousands of miles for hundreds of years just to drink of this water and receive miracle cures. Well, the more we recognize 
what makes those waters special, the more we can actually replicate those natural processes in the waters that we drink. And that's just, that's just drinking water in terms of medicine. Like that's not even to mention hydrotherapies like naping and balneology and ice baths, et cetera. Like water is life, right? So if medicine aims to save lives and improve the quality of life, then health has to mean saving and improving the quality of water, the quality of hydration. If water is life, then hydration is health. And then, you know, so that's, that's energy, that's medicine in the agricultural crisis as well. There, like you were saying with, with your garden, you know, you started feeding the garden, your incredible, beautiful, highly charged well water, and you started seeing increased growth. Well, we're seeing this all across the board that there are certain forms of water specifically coherent full spectrum water that can actually completely restore the microbiome of the soil. And we all know that there's a soil crisis. I'm sure many of the listeners have probably seen the documentary Kiss the Ground. Yeah, we've had many podcasts on that and many more coming. <laughs> yes, beautiful. Well, Dr. Uh, he's not a doctor, sorry. Uh, Dolph Zantiga and his team, the Analemma team has been showing that if you water crops with water that has the full spectrum of light frequencies within it, and it's perfectly coherent, you can actually restore the microbiome of the soil, even if there is measurably zero microbiota presence, even if there's no measurable microbiotic uh, activity whatsoever, it's almost like it is just generating de novo life forms from scratch. And that's, and that's just scratching the surface when it comes to agriculture. There's so much here. I actually want to create a whole course just on agriculture. Um, But we're also finding that if you expose water to specific light frequencies, like specific colors, and I'm talking um, very, very, very specific colors. So like not just green, but like a specific frequency of green, like the you can you can completely cut out the need for uh, fertilizers of different kinds. Like if you mm-hmm. want more calcium in the soil, you can expose the water to to orange light. If you want more magnesium, you expose the water to yellow light. If you want more hydrogen, it's red. More iron is is yellow. Um, if you want more nitrogen, you expose the water to to the color green. If you want more oxygen, you expose the water to the color blue, and and just on and on. So you know these are just a few examples, but. But again, we could remove the need for fertilizers and for pesticides while at the same time increasing crop yields, increasing nutrient density. If you water crops with structured water, it increases the biophoton radiation by 600%. It cuts down on the amount of water that you use by 30 to 50%. It prolongs the fruiting season of a plant. It shifts the crop senescence just by shifting the water alone, right? Because the food that we're growing, they're bodies of water, just like we're bodies of water. They need good, high quality hydration, just like we do. And, and it just goes on and on like the climate crisis. I know this is a very controversial topic, but, um, according to, Climatologists like um, Dr. Walter Genet, I have incredible respect for his work and, and several others kind of in the same vein. The climate shift is not due to carbon. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> the climate is shifting due to the depletion no, of the hydrological cycle. No, it doesn't make any sense. Carbon only mediates 5% of energy transfer in the atmosphere, only 5%. The remaining 95% of energy transfer in the atmosphere is governed by water. So just like in your body, like our bodies are smaller holographic projections of the earth's larger wholeness. What is true for our bodies is true for the earth. 
when you're dehydrated, you become inflamed in that area that has localized drought. And then there's heat and then there's acidity. And the same is true of the earth where there's a drought due to poor water management practices and due to water privatization. And those are the causes poor water management practices and water privatization. The earth warms up in those areas. It gets inflammation in those areas and the amount of land that has been stricken by serious drought just in the past 50 years has more than doubled. But in the media is all about carbon, 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 but this isn't due to climate change. These regions are not stricken by drought because their climate is changing. It's because of the mismanagement of water. They've depleted the hydrological cycle in those areas and so there's nothing to cool the atmosphere in those areas and the soil is just is is flying off in the wind. So if we if we actually steward our watersheds like responsible water keepers, like the responsible water keepers that we should be as bodies of water, we can actually restore even the driest deserts back to lush food forests and bring back balance to the weather patterns in those areas. You know, there are people who are who are doing this. There's incredible stories. There's um Oh, I forget his name, but he's, he's called the Waterman of India. And he's basically taken arid landscapes and restored um, just vibrant ecosystems to them. And uh, Rajendra, Rajendra, uh, his name is Rajendra. I forget, I forget his second name. Um, but anyways, for anyone who's interested in learning actually how to do that, how to, how to restore um, land uh, and even no matter how dry it is, how to, how to bring the water back and make it a, a safe haven for water. There's an incredible um, organization called Water Stories. It's waterstories.com. And they teach a course called the Core Course for any land stewards, I think this is absolutely crucial for making your your land really a haven that can not only attract water, but also seep water down into the aquifer and also effectively clean water. And um, I think their next round of the core course starts in the fall. You can use the code WATERISLIFE for a few hundred dollars off of that course. Um, but they're absolutely impeccable in what they do. They're, they're masters of it. So I would say that's my very long-winded way of saying that these are, yeah, that's that's the third that's the third thing. I love it. I I, I don't want you to hold back. Um, I had Rob Wolf on my podcast just recently, and he actually went and visited a farmer in Mexico, a rancher, and this guy is very famous for taking desert. And within a few years, he turns it into these lush areas where people thought nothing would ever grow. They literally deemed the soil completely dead. Rob Wolf describes in the podcast how they were driving for hours to get to this, I don't know how many thousands of acres. It's, he's a cattle rancher. But he, Rob was talking about how he's driving along in the just desert. And all of a sudden in the distance, you see this just whole oasis of green grasses and life growing. And you get to his property where he's uh, basically done it largely through regenerative agriculture with uh, cattle and, um, you know, various other approaches. But the point being is, yes, we, we really can regenerate the soils. And uh, in my books, I have in my some of my books, one of my books in my library, I have a, a book on soil science and farming. And it states in there that the average farming family in the United States destroys 7,000 of acres of land in mm. the family's life. So when you look at like generational farmers, he, he, he shows due, due to not knowing how to farm properly, they literally desertify 
7,000 acres of land. And, you know, I think now that we have people like you uh, coming on board and, and bringing the wisdom to the world of how these things can be done and teaching courses and stuff, I think, you know, one of the things that this whole World Economic Forum and COVID and all this bullshit uh, is doing is it's waking people up that they need to start becoming more involved in, mm-hmm. in the world and in life and, and protecting themselves from being so dependent upon government resources. So I think that one of the positive things of all this fascist global control lies and, and evil is that people are saying, you know, now I've got to get involved now because, you know, I got kids and I don't want to be sucked into this smart city web of prison. And so there's a lot of people that are actually looking for people like you to learn from, which is one of the reasons I wanted to share you on the podcast, because a lot of young people that are intelligent and holistically oriented listen to my podcast. And I've had probably at least a dozen students go off and start their own healing resorts Mm -hmm. all over the world and develop uh, food products, ice creams, all sorts of things based on the principles that I teach. So I I, I, want to keep encouraging people like you and exposing people like you because we have to sort of take this into our own hands and do it ourselves or the future doesn't look very good really you you talked about the how that we could have dehydration in one area of our body and not necessarily other areas of our body and for a lot of people listening that might be confusing but the thing is whenever i see that it's almost always in sedentary people people Mm -hmm. that sit all day don't exercise don't move their body Mm -hmm. and you know what people don't realize is that the body is a bioelectrical charging station for water. So by having good breathing practices and good movement practices, you're basically doing to water what nature does to water within your body. But if you don't take good care of your movement practices, then your water will stagnate. So you get people, for example, their lower abdomen becomes very, um, stagnant and you you get constipation and you get all sorts of, negative changes. People that sit in chairs all day don't move their legs very much. So we we get pooling of water in the legs, which shows you that you're actually, you basically have an ecosystem problem. And in water where in nature, where water doesn't move, you have the emergence of death. Stagnant water brings death, Mm -hmm. right? You you get putrefaction and rot and, and death. And, um, So I just wanted to to throw it in there for the listeners that one of the things that's very, very important is, is, you know, breathing properly and moving your body regularly and listening to your body because it'll tell you if you just listen to it. Hi, did you know that there are numerous studies using specialized dyes and radiolucent markers showing that when we eat a specific organ or gland from an animal, it ends up going directly to the same organ or gland in our body? This deep wisdom has been known long before science validated it, and people like St. Hildegard of Bingen all the way back in the 1100s wrote a diet book showing what specific meats would help heal ailments in the body. Francis Marion Pottinger, author of the famous Pottinger's Cat Study, used radiolucent markers and found that when we eat the adrenal glands of an animal, the molecules of adrenal tissue go right to our own adrenal glands. The body is very efficient and won't try to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. This is also true of collagen. About 15 years ago, while performing stunt lifting, I had a man fall from above right onto my head, blowing out two of my discs completely, tearing spinal ligaments and leaving me with spinal cord and nerve root compression. 
Any surgeon would have immediately wanted to fuse these joints and put metal in my neck, but I chose to rehabilitate myself, and one of the key dietary ingredients I used was collagen powder. This feeds the body the exact molecules it needs to repair the damaged collagen in my neck, and I'm still going strong. Joint degeneration is not only very common among athletes, but among workers and people of all ages today, and regularly consuming Organifi's collagen supplement may save you from a lot of pain, doctor's visits, and surgery. Give your body the resources it needs and let it do its magic. Organifi collagen uses only real food ingredients. It contains Hydrolyzed bovine hide collagen peptides. This protein form is derived from pasture-raised cows. It is associated with pain relief from aches and pains in joints, radiant skin health, and even bone loss prevention. Eggshell membrane collagen. Taken from the thin layer between the egg and the shell, it is collagen-rich, and this may be beneficial for strong joint health. Hydrolyzed fish collagen peptides derived from wild-caught fish. This is a particularly useful collagen source because of its small particle size, making it easily digestible and absorbable. Chicken bone broth protein concentrate. This source provides the collagen type found in your gut, joints, and cartilage and helps support greater health both inside and out. Don't wait until you're in so much pain that it hurts to do what you love to do, or you're told you need surgery when you can feed your body Organifi collagen and feel better every day while also enhancing your nutritional profile. To get your Organifi collagen, go to organifi.com forward slash chek20. That's organifi.com forward slash chek20. On checkout, use your Living 4D discount code, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K20, and get 20% off with your purchase of Organifi collagen. Before I move to the next question, is there anything else you want to uh, share? Yeah, well, I love what you just shared. And I, I just want to echo that and, and kind of piggyback off that a little bit, you know, the, the, the importance of, of sovereignty and self-sufficiency and really taking personal responsibility for the waters that we steward and the watershed that we're a part of. And, um, you know, I notice such a huge difference in the clients that I work with. So I do one-on-one consultations with people. We develop hydration strategies, all this kind of thing. And I noticed such a huge difference when people start harvesting fresh, raw, wild, living spring water themselves. They go on the pilgrimage to the spring to harvest it, and they carry that water that's going to become their bloodstream. And they get it for free, straight from the earth, in the way that nature intended. The downstream cascade effects of doing that are so far beyond physical these people end up developing such a sense of personal empowerment, such a sense yeah. of, of, of will in the world, not only because they're not getting the fluoride that actually disables your, your you know, willpower, your, your center of will uh, in, the, in the pineal gland by calcifying it, but also because when you drink water, it becomes your blood within five minutes. And what do most people do? We mostly pay municipal governments for our own bloodstream and a strangely slave-like paradigm when we drink tap water, or we pay corporations for our bloodstream when we buy bottled water. So we always have these surrogate stand-ins between ourselves and the source. We're always kind of paying, almost like indentured slaves, for our own right to live. Water is life. Who is giving you your life? Who is 
supplying your your life force energy. If it's not coming direct from the earth, if you're paying someone else for that, just energetically, very subconsciously, just on a on a super subtle level, there is this inherent disempowerment that happens, this disconnection between ourselves and the source. And so when that happens, yes, we do tend to abdicate our sense of responsibility to the powers that be and just trust that, oh, our education will be taken care of by the public education system. Oh, our food will be taken care of by the FDA. Oh, our, you know, like, no, it's time to really, really get clear on your life force energy, where it comes from and and what is the quality of that. And I think the best place to start with that is really uh, with your own bloodstream, your own bio waters and receiving that transmission directly from nature that actually weaves you into the, the greater cosmic dance of waters throughout the universe, right? And then the second thing that you mentioned is about stagnation in it. And again, it's just, you know, like water, what we do to water, we do to ourselves. And so the water that we drink directly has an impact on on our lifestyle. So if we're drinking water that has been held really stagnant in holding tanks or in bottles, then there's going to be a lot more stagnation in our bio water and a lot more stagnation in our lifestyle. When you start drinking fresh, revived living water, you start feeling more energy. You want to move more. Exercise is no longer a chore because the water that you're made of, again, 99.92% of the molecules in your body are water. The water that you're made of naturally has that vitality and that movement to it. And we are basically hydraulic networks. I know you know this, Paul, like all of the systems in our body, other than our circulation system, like our circulation obviously um, is, is moved by the heart, but other than our actual bloodstream, every other water system in our body is a hydraulic network. Hydraulic means movement by water. And so your fascia, for example, which is the irrigative network, your fascia is 80% water, 20% protein. It is what delivers drops of water to each and every one of your cells along this beautiful web-like crystalline netting. And it only moves when you move. That contraction and release is what actually delivers that water to each and every one of the cells. So if you're stagnant in that area, Area, or if you um, if you've had a trauma or injury in that area, or even emotional trauma, the fascia will store the memory of emotional trauma in certain areas, and it'll start to get dry in that area. It'll start to get brittle in that area. It will no longer be delivering water to those areas. And the same with our lymphatic system, it only moves when we move. It's a hydraulic network. And so the more we move, the more we're actually clearing out the waste, clearing out the sludge. And that's not just physically the physical toxins, but it's also the the energies that those physical toxins carry as well. So, you know, if if you find yourself getting, you know, kind of down in the dumps, or you find yourself holding on to something that you, you feel like, you know, you should be able to let go of, move your, your lymphatic system, like do lymphatic drainage exercise, get a lymphatic drainage massage, do gua sha, do dry brushing, all of that kind of thing. Get your waters flowing. Your water corresponds exactly to your psyche. In fact, you know, in Jungian psychology and Jungian dream symbolism, the water is always correlated to the emotions and, um, and the unconscious and the unconscious, Mm -hmm. the psyche. Exactly. So, so what we do to water, we do to ourselves personally and collectively. Yeah, I, I'm an art therapist, so I'm always very interested in whenever people put water into their art that I give I give them art assignments for healing. So if someone has a heart disease, I'll have them do a mandala and the theme of the art will be my heart. So I have them connect to their heart and then paint what it is that they feel is inside of them. And 
whenever I see water, I'm looking very carefully at how the water correlates with the overall image, the uh, what what colors are mixed in with it around it, what the scenery is around it. And I learn a lot about what's going on inside of them because the ego can't really defend itself against art. So I use that mm -hmm. because the unconscious can come easily through art. I wanted to mention there's a website, you may know of it, but I wanted to make sure everyone listening knows there's a website called findaspring.com. Yes. And you can just go to findaspring.com and it'll show you where you can access spring water all over the world. There's, it's more concentrated in some countries than other uh, because I think people have to register the, their sites or, you know, someone has to tell them where these sites are. But we've actually used it before when we were traveling and, and they are there. Uh, we were traveling um, not too long ago. Uh, we went on a motorhome trip to visit my son and his family up in Oregon. And so we were checking out where we could find spring water along the way. And, it, you know, one of the things that freaking irritates the hell out of me is it is damn hard to find good water. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in, in, um, I went to Big Bear, which is a ski town, you know, up in the mountains about two hours, two and a half hours from us that, you know, we like to take the kids skiing and the girls like to go skiing. And, you know, Big Bear's a place where they have a lot of triathlons and it's supposed to be a health conscious place. But I was going everywhere trying to find some spring water and people looked at me like I was asking for, you know, some exotic rare <laughs> substance or something. I'm like, what the hell is with people? I mean, how do you have a health food store and you don't even know anything about fucking water? <laughs> I, it's you know, I went to all these places. It's like, what the freaking hell do you guys think just because something's says vegan on the package it is good for you or something it's like right. there's way more to it than that yeah people think as long as it's a clear liquid it must be water it must be good water and all water is the same and it doesn't matter if it's distilled or if it's spring water if it's this or that like it's all it's clear liquid so that's all you need to drink no it's so there's so much nuance to it and it's so empowering to like really understand that because that's that's our health hydration is health I think, too, one of the things that just popped into my head that's relevant here is that there's just billions of dollars being spent on the anti-aging movement. Mm -hmm. And half the shit people are doing from biohacking to plastic surgery <laughs> to hormone replacement. I mean, the crap I see going on in the name of anti-aging, if they would just learn about water <gasps> and charge their water and manage their water and, and have a... a, a a much more conscious relationship with water, they would get far more mileage for a fraction of the price by just understanding water. It's the fountain of youth. It really is. There's a reason why the fountain of youth is called the fountain of youth and not the, you know, yes, mushroom of youth or the mountain of youth or something like that. It is a fountain. <laughs> or the cash right? register of youth. The, exactly, right? Well, nowadays in our society, it's definitely the cash register of youth. You pay enough thousand dollars, you can stay young forever. But uh, it's funny because certain kinds of water, they're doing studies now where they're showing that, like, for example, on a lemma water, which I think I mentioned before, it's coherent, full spectrum. It contains all of the, the light code I've had Dolph on the podcast before. Oh, perfect. Okay. So then your listeners are familiar. So I'll just touch on it briefly. But basically, they did this one study um, with the glycanage test, and they showed that based on that biological marker by drinking this particular type of water, 
within just one to three months of drinking the water, they saw one to 12 years of biological age revitalization in the people who were drinking it. So it is possible to age backwards, at least by some biomarkers, and it has a lot to do with your hydration. In fact, I forget who it was. It was a doctor who said, I think it might have been Dr. Zach Bush, actually, who said, if we could stay perfectly hydrated in the intracellular environment, the aging process would slow down, if not completely reverse. Now, the key to that statement is the intracellular environment. How do we make sure that the water that we drink is actually hydrating us intracellularly? And it has a lot to do with the hydrogen content and composition of the water. It has a lot to do with the light frequency spectrum contained in that water. And it has even more to do with our lifestyle factors than it does to do with the water itself. This brings up an important point I want to throw on the table with you because I've run into this a thousand times. And there's another one that we didn't get into, but I think is important. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hit the f- two of them. One is, as you know, there's a lot of books written out there by people like Gabriel Cousins, MD, telling people to drink distilled water. And I, I cannot figure out for the life of me how some of these guys can have so much knowledge but not understand the fact that drinking distilled water is a bad idea. I've probably had at least in my career, I mean, I've, obvi- I've been doing this a long time, so, you know, uh, almost 40 years. January will be 40 years. But I've probably had at least probably eight or more people who develop spontaneous cracking of their molars mm. after about three to six months or more of drinking distilled water because they don't realize it's sucking all the minerals out of their body. And so I I just wanted to throw that on the table for everybody. Have you got any comments on that one before we move on to the next point I wanted to make? Just that I would say the same thing about distilled water that that I said about reverse osmosis water, that it's an immature water, it's an aggressive solvent. I mean, basically distillation and reverse osmosis are the exact same process. It's just one is thermal means and one is mechanical means, but they do the same thing to water. They create a very depleted, unstructured water that is not very beneficial to, to supporting life. I mean, basically, we just want to mimic what happens at a spring. We want to mimic nature. And the more that we can recreate what happens at a spring, the more we can actually create healthy water. Now there is a way to take reverse osmosis water or take distilled water and bring it back to life again. So if that's the only water that you have access to, please don't lose hope. There's absolutely a way to, to, to take that and bring it back to spring quality, but it does take a little bit of elbow grease. It takes a little bit of conscientious effort and communion with that water. It's the same too with rainwater and catchments. That's all juvenile water too. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that that's not really the best quality of water. But I've had various people try to sell me on the idea that that was the, you know, the best water. I'm like, no, it isn't the best water. It hasn't got enough exposure to the earth. It's, it's right. classically called juvenile water, as you know. I would say that that rainwater is better than tap water. It's better than some of the processed bottled waters, but it's still, yeah, it's yeah. it's immature water. It, it still needs TLC. Basically, we need to understand that different kinds of water affect us differently and, and what to do with each of the different kinds of water. So, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, rainwater is basically the same as distilled water because rain is the distillation of the hydrological cycle. And it's like, no, actually, you know, even with rainwater, the, the rain is actually 
absorbing everything in the atmosphere as it falls down. Interestingly, the mm-hmm. rain doesn't actually, each raindrop doesn't fall in a single line. It actually spirals all the way down. Water loves to spiral. And it's those drawing in the formative uh, influences of the atmosphere. So whether that's pollution in the atmosphere, whether that is uh, radiation in the atmosphere, um, but also, you know, there's also a lot of microorganisms within clouds. So there's some mm-hmm. microorganism activity in rainwater as well. There's a lot more factors to it um, than just, oh, this water is, is distilled or it's clean because it's rainwater. It's not necessarily clean just because it's rainwater. Yeah. The next point I wanted to bring up, not not because I know you know, need to know this. I'm talking to one of the most skilled water people in the world, so I'm doing this for the listeners. But one of the most common things I get from my patients when I'm analyzing their, their uh, I have them all fill out a 10-day log, which they put everything they eat, everything they drink, what their poops look like, what their pee smelled like, what the color of it was. And, you know, a lot, I won't go through the whole thing. It's very, very comprehensive. But when I point out to a lot of people that they're not drinking near enough water, they they will say, well, look, I drank this much tea and I drank this much (laughs) this orange juice or whatever. I'm like, that's not water. And and so oftentimes they'll sit and argue with me about why it is water. But the rule that I have is if you cannot see through it, it must go through a digestive process. So I don't care if you're drinking a light tea, if there's solute in it, your body handles it like a food and it is not handled in the body as water. So I just wondered if you had any comments on the importance of distinguishing water from other things that are wet so that people know why it's important not to calculate water volume based on food. Another another argument I've gotten from a lot of paleo type people is, oh, you don't need to drink that much water. You, you're getting it in the food. I'm like, okay, that's you've got to make a distinction there. That's not the same thing. Yeah, I would agree with you completely. And also our diet does affect our, our level of hydration in, in a lot of nuanced ways. Like, you know, if you, our ancestors ate a very, very hydrating diet. The, the, the ancestral diet was absolutely hydrating us in a lot of ways, but the modern diet is actively dehydrating us. And so, yes, we need actual real water, high quality spring or spring like water to drink, but we also need our diets to be supporting our cells to be able to absorb and retain that water. So, you know, one of the things I recommend for a lot of my clients is um, increasing the amount of high quality fats in their diet, because this actually supports your body's ability to produce endogenous water. So the more uh, you eat high quality fats, the more you're actually producing metabolic water, which is deuterium depleted water that's created inside of your cells. For every hundred grams of fat that you eat, high quality fat, your body produces 110 grams of metabolic water. This is the most hydrating water because it's deuterium depleted, because it's endogenously produced by your own body. Whereas with protein, I think it's something like for every hundred grams of protein that you eat, it's something like 80 to 90 grams of metabolic water. And for every hundred grams of carbs that you eat, it's something like 60 to 70 grams of metabolic water. This is because of the Krebs cycle. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then also when you eat enough high quality fats, you know, your cell membranes are basically lipid layers. Your whole cell membrane is made out of high quality fats and the cell membranes are what determine the hydroelectric capacity of your cells to osmotically release and absorb water. And so if 
they're made of good high quality fats, then you have a good uh, balance of, of intracellular and extracellular fluids. Um, but there was a, a doctor named Dr. Howard Murad. I really liked his uh, analogy here. He said, basically, most of us are eating such crappy quality fats like, um, uh, you know, seed oils and that kind of thing that it's like poking holes in a tire. We're basically poking holes in our cell membranes or at least really thinning them out in areas so that um, they're just not able to actually retain the intracellular fluid that they should. So I I think that diet is a really important part of, of your hydration um, strategy or overall hydration equation, but I don't think that it's because you need to be drinking more tea or drinking more orange juice or that kind of thing. I think it's, I think it's uh, you definitely have to get real water in there and you want it and you want to support your body to produce more water as well. Yeah. The, the other factor in there that, that people often don't realize, and I've had this conversation with a lot of vegans and vegetarians over the years, it's shocking to me that with all this vegan and vegetarian drive and the, you know, the whole, uh, myth that they live by, which I don't have any problem with. But the point I'm bringing up here is I've never met a vegan or a vegetarian yet that is eating uh, solely or makes an effort to eat solely organic foods. So what they're doing is they're buying all these plants and things that fit their diet model, but they're all coming from commercial farms. And so why I'm bringing that up is because, yes, our ancestors could eat watermelon and get a water, lot of water. They could eat any number of vegetables, which are mostly water. The problem is, is that when you're eating those same foods today, you're eating plants that have absorbed very toxic water from chemically farmed and chemically fertilized soils. And so you're actually uh, drink eating poisonous water. And so the, the, this means that you must actually increase the amount of high quality water that you're drinking as a detoxification tool for a toxic body like that. And, and all these people that are on these health kicks, which I'm all for, of course, but if you, if you don't make a conscious effort to realize, first of all, factually speaking, and I researched this very recently and, and the statistics were the same as when I wrote my book, how to eat, move and be healthy. And I did the research for that in the year 2000 and I just did it recently and the statistics were identical, only 4 to 6% of all the food in the world is not only farmed organically, but eaten. So of all the food on this planet that makes it into someone's body, only 4 to 6% of it is organic, and only 4 to 6% of all the food in all the world that is farmed is organic. That's a, a death stroke. I mean, that, is, that means 96% of what people are consuming is toxic as hell and it comes from a planet that's been poisoned and is being poisoned. So I think not only do we have to really be conscious of water, but we've got to be conscious about what we're funding with our money because if we keep feeding these corporations and being these people that claim to be vegans, vegetarians, or whatever the hell they are, and they're putting money in the hands of the very companies that are destroying the planet, then it creates a huge inner conflict in one's own health philosophy. And you, you can think that you're doing the right thing, but not realize that you're, you're actually contributing to the destruction of the planet, just like everybody else and the destruction of the very animals you're trying to protect on your vegetarian diet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it is true that 
any water that is in the form of a living thing, whether that is a fruit or a vegetable or an animal or whatever, is structured water. It is bio water. That's what gives that living thing the ability to be alive is the fact that it's made of structured water. So if you eat a cucumber, you're going to get more hydration from that cucumber than you would from a Dasani bottle of water because Dasani, Dasani is swag, unstructured, you know, crappy water that is just going to move straight through you. You're going to pee it straight out again. Whereas if you eat the cucumber, it's going to be a slow release of hydration over time. But plants are smart, right? Nature is smart. They've developed a way to dump all of the toxins that the plant itself doesn't want to keep within its structure into the fruiting bodies that are then going to fall off of the plant and be expelled from the plant. So they know that fruiting body is going to fall at the end of the season. They have a tendency to dump the toxins and especially the deuterium into those fruiting bodies. So yeah, these these fruits and vegetables, some of the vegetables, most of the fruits have a tendency to be higher in, in things like deuterium and, and to concentrate some of the toxins. And so organic is so important, but it's really, it's really a privilege to even be in a place where that is is an option. You know, I live here in the Yucatan. It is just not an option anywhere you go. And when you look at the, the, the full uh, scope of the world that we live in, there is a water apartheid between the global North and the global South. There is absolutely an apartheid of water access so that currently one tenth of all of the crops grown on this planet, 10% of the crops are actually watered with raw sewage because water is too rare and too precious to waste on crops outside of the mega cities of most of the countries in in the um in the global south it is just watered with raw sewage and so we really have to be very conscientious about water privatization in general because the more we privatize water the more we inherently create conditions of water scarcity yes and companies like nestle have been going around buying up wells all over the United States and, and the world mm-hmm. in order to do that exact thing. And in fact, one of my clients, um, I won't mention her name just for her privacy, but she's a, her family's quite financially successful and they have um, done their best to buy up water wells to protect them so that the public uh, has access to that water. It doesn't get privatized and uh, other things to protect people that would be a long discussion, but I'm glad that she and her family are involved in that. The other thing too about the water is, you know, the plants do have some ability to detoxify, but there is what I call the homeopathologic effect. And 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 the fact of the matter is, is even uh, the smartest plants in the world cannot get rid of the energetic signature of the chemicals that have poisoned the water. So we have to be conscious of the fact that when we're drinking water that's in the city taps, for example, that went through sewage treatment centers, we're drinking the energetic imprint of every drug and every chemical that that water has been exposed to. And we don't really have effective systems yet for neutralizing that water. And if you do, then you turn it back into juvenile water from everything that I've, I've <laughs> studied. So the, the point is, is we, we have a, a global crisis of a water misunderstanding, um, a lack of, you know, and, and unfortunately, there, I suspect that there are people that are involved in these major corporations that do understand what's going on with the water because they're doing it to the water. 
for the same reasons they're trying to force vaccinate people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a disturbing reality. But, um, you know, if enough of us become educated, which is what this podcast is for, we can start being more aware of these things. And I think what the first thing that we've all got to do, because of exactly what you said, you know, not only is water consciousness, but water, the quality of the water has a large influence on the amount of willpower we have, Mm -hmm. the amount of libido we have. And if we want to make changes in the world, we've got to take things into our own hands. And that's why I do workshops on how to build water chargers and show people what I've done here and, and why I spend the money to ship water in from Mount Palomar, which I can see right out the window, but it's a 4,000 foot artesian well. It's one of the few places in the world where there's no impurities whatsoever in the water. So for me, that's seriously important for my family and my children. The point I'm driving at is, is we have to go the extra mile. I tell people, look, if you go to findaspring.com and the nearest spring is 40 miles away, then drive your 40 Mm -hmm. miles once a week, fill up some bottles, build yourself a water charger, Mm -hmm put the bottle, put, put it in glass and the water charger will keep the, the water alive in the glass bottle. But you got to basically do what you've got to do to vitalize yourself because Mm -hmm. we have got to either be the change or we're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And and I think, you know, people are so busy staring at social media and, you know, doing relatively meaningless things that by the time someone gets cancer and gets all shocked and freaked out and all of a sudden is interested in taking care of themselves, it can be a little bit far down the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got to, we've got to stop waiting for death to knock on our door and start reading the handwriting on the wall and be proactive. So the key point I'm trying to make is we have to get ourselves in good enough shape, as Aubrey Marcus would say, to be fit for service or, or we're, we're, we're basically in the, sixth mass extinction and just being part of it. Absolutely. And and to anyone listening who does have a spring maybe 40 miles away, it is worth the pilgrimage. It is so worth the pilgrimage. Who doesn't drive 40 miles or an hour or more just to get to the airport, you know? Right. It's, we're talking about your bloodstream. We're talking about your life force energy. Hello. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Though most people think the Czech Academy is only for health and medical professionals, we all know just how many people in the world today are struggling to care for their body and look and feel the way they want to. Sadly, body weight challenges, energy challenges, joint aches and pains, digestive and eliminative problems, illnesses, diseases, and mental-emotional imbalances continue to rise among the public worldwide. By now, you'd think that most people would have come to realize that running to doctors isn't working and it's time to get involved in their own diet, exercise, lifestyle, and learn to create health instead of medicating chronic ailments. The Czech Academy is designed so that anyone can learn what they need to heal, balance, and create health and well-being, regardless of educational or professional background. In fact, several of my own patients over the years were so amazed at how much better they felt after implementing the changes I supported them in making that they decided they wanted to help others and changed careers and became Czech professionals. Year one of the Czech Academy is excellent for anyone who wants to learn to be their healthy best, and it offers how to eat, move, and be healthy, holistic lifestyle coach level one online, integrated movement science level one online, scientific core training, scientific back training, and program design. Year 1 graduates will be empowered to create their own health and fitness programs and inspire everyone in their lives with undeniable results. 
The Czech Academy is also a tremendous option for anyone looking to make a career transition, particularly because you can complete your studies and work full-time so that you don't have to take a hit in your income. Gavin Jennings, CEO of the Czech Institute, and I designed the Czech Academy in this way specifically so that each student got adequate hands-on training to really test what they were learning and be able to get questions answered by skilled instructors and mentors along the way. We are now accepting Academy Fall Semester Applications. To submit your applications to the Czech Academy, go to chek.group forward slash L4 number 4D Academy. That's Czech C-H-E-K dot group forward slash L-4-D Academy. Anyone can get healthy and vital and together we can definitely make the world a better, healthier place for the children and for our collective future. Isabel, there are some experts and authors that suggest that we will have potentially a severe water crisis by 2030 and that only 1% of the water on the planet is suitable for drinking. But there's also a belief uh, that we do have uh, other sources of water, whether it be water coming in from comets or, uh, and some even suggest that I've read actually some experts that say water, they've proven or, or identified that water is being generated within the earth itself. And as you and I have talked about in our private conversations, uh, astronomers have found that there's water everywhere in the entire galaxy that they can look. So um, what do you think is the actual state of water on the earth? Are we stuck with what we've got or is there, does the earth regenerate water? Are there other sources of water coming into the earth from the atmosphere, from the cosmos? I'd love to hear how you stand on that issue. Yeah. So this is a beautiful topic. There's a lot here. And I feel like this, this alone could be a whole podcast in itself, but I'll try to cover it <laughs> briefly. Well, we'll just do the preview for the upcoming <laughs> yeah. podcast. Just do the trailer. Um, so I, I kind of think of this, so it sounds like there's kind of three parts to this, right, as well. There's um, the water crisis, there's the prevalence of water on this planet, and then the prevalence of water in the cosmos. And how do those tie together? Like the fact that there obviously is a water crisis and yet water is so abundant because water is life and water is consciousness. And our universe is a living conscious being in and of itself. And therefore it is filled with water at all scales, right? So so with the water crisis currently, just as we speak, where we are right now, one out of every three people on the planet has no consistent access to clean water. One out of every three. And by 2050, in less than 30 years, that's going to be one in every two people is the estimation. And this isn't just about the drought. This isn't just about the famine. It's really a matter of, of safety and the spiritual integrity of our species. Because, you know, there was a former vice president of the World Bank who said that if the wars of the 20th century were fought over oil, the wars of the 21st century will be fought over water. And that's already happening on a massive scale. Water wars are a very real phenomenon around the world. And usually in the media, they are portrayed as being um, religious conflicts or uh, cultural disputes or something like that. But if you dig a little deeper into the drought in those areas and what has actually catalyzed those conflicts, it's almost always over water resources. And again, that is being hidden for very, for 
very conscientious reasons, right? So there are water wars happening on the planet right now. And, you know, researchers actually compared um, precipitation records against geospatial conflict data, and they traced a direct link between water shortage and violence. So we say that water is life, and that's true, but water is not just life. Water is peace. Water is peace. Water provides the conditions for peace. Where there is no water, there is no peace. People have to fight for their lives. So solving the inequitable access to water has to be our top priority if we want a world of peace. It's not just a matter of diplomatic negotiations. It is a matter of creating conditions of water abundance in these areas on the planet. So it's, it's kind of this conundrum, as you, as you well stated in your question, you know, it's it, at the same time that access to water is dwindling, we are finding out, we're discovering that there's actually far more water on earth and in the cosmos than we ever previously imagined. There are oceans of primary water that are underneath the normal aquifers, right? Primary water is, is this ancient water, this water that is, that is um, being freshly generated beneath the aquifers and just oceans of it. So I've noticed a lot in the in the water space and the conversations about primary water that usually when people learn about this water, when they learn about primary water, they get pretty overzealous and they're like, oh, the water crisis doesn't exist. There's plenty of water out there and drought is a myth and we should all just drill down and harvest primary water and that's going to solve all of our problems. We'll just drill down to get it. And here's my issue with that is that it's just a continuation of the exact same extractive mentality of commodifying water that has caused the droughts of the surface water in the first place. Like primary water exists, sure, but we can't overestimate that. It's obnoxiously hard to get to. It's thousands of feet down beneath the bedrock. It's almost impossible to tell where the shallow points are. So like where where you can actually access it more easily. They're not evenly or equitably distributed. You never know what areas they're going to be in, right? So you can't say, oh, everyone in the world is going to have more equitable access to water because we can drill down to the primary water. It's not only is it not uh, practical to do that, but it's also a disrespect of water, which you know, we have to stop thinking of as an objectified commodity that we can just drill down and pump up like a thing that we use, like a product at our disposal, as though that is in any way sustainable. Because if we actually care for the hydrological cycle, and this is what I I really wish people would understand, if we actually understand how to care for water and we partner with water as the source instead of as a resource, all of the above ground water that we currently have on this planet, just the above ground hydrological cycle would be more than enough to sustain us. Even without drilling down to the aquifers that we're already draining, even without the wells that we already have in place, the, the you know aquifers that we've already tapped, much less going all the way down to primary water, we have to learn to steward our above ground water. That's more than enough to sustain us. In fact, you know, Schauberger, had a lot to say about this as well, about how de novo water is actually created in old growth forests. He actually witnessed the moment when it happened. He went into pure primary virgin forest and and he saw the birthplace of new water. And, you know, it, it makes sense, right? Because like water is a living being and like any living being, water must have the capacity to reproduce itself, right? So if we take care of our watersheds, 
we wouldn't even need the number of artesian wells that we've already drilled, much less to drill for war and for more. And I think that drilling for primary water is short-sighted. We have to take the long-term approach of really addressing the core of the issue, which is water privatization and watershed mismanagement, right? That's the core of the, of the, um, the lack of uh, abundance of water is watershed misman- mismanagement and the lack of equitable access to clean water is because of water privatization. So those are the core issues of, of the water crisis right now, because in cultures that steward every drop, they actually create conditions of water abundance, even in desert conditions. Like in Rajasthan and in India, they get almost no rainfall. It's so desertified there. And yet that indigenous culture has created ways of stewarding every drop so that they actually have a very water abundant society because they work with the cycles of nature. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, water wasters can turn even rainforests into a desert. And we see that all over the Western world. When you commodify water, you're going to create conditions of, of drought and scarcity. So the problem with the water shortage isn't that there's a lack of access to water. It's that it's that the lack of access to water is so wildly profitable. So since water has become privatized, the dirtier the, the world's waterways become, the more profitable private clean water assets are. So those who own water, they don't want to see a world of clean water, right? That means that their assets are devalued. The more scarce like it is, the, the more they sell. the medical system doesn't want you to be healthy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, when capitalism gets involved, things suffer. That's just, unfortunately, it's just the way that it is. But, but it's also a beautiful key an access point to humanity's freedom as well, right? Is to reclaim sovereign access to water as a decentralized commons, just as it always has been all throughout human history, because, you know, we have to restore right relationship with our watersheds. No one can own life itself, but if people own the source of life, (laughs) if people own the sustenance of life, then the lives of all of those who need it, to live are controlled as well. In fact, actually in Chinese, the symbol for water is the same as the symbol for control. It's the most valuable thing on the planet. You want to control your own life, control your own water. And, and that's just the law, the law of supply and demand, right? If it's more scarce, it's, it's more valuable. So it's not that there's not enough surface water. It's the misappropriation of that water and, and the commodification of it. And, um, and then, and I, I want to make sure that people are, are not just like depressed by this, but that, but, empowered to really take action. So again, I'll, I'll share this resource again, waterstories.com. They are doing amazing work to really teach people how to bring water back to arid landscapes and arid environments and create sustainable, regenerative water cycles on the land. They have something called the core course, which I cannot recommend highly enough. Use the code water is life. They are, they're actually working with Rajendra Singh and some other people who have done this really successfully in a lot of really arid landscapes. Um, so that's very, uh, I'm getting long-winded and I'm not even like halfway through <laughs> addressing your question yet. But um, the, the next part of your question was um, water in space. It's so beautiful to me. I've been really enjoying the study of this uh, this year in particular. I've been really getting into like astrobiology and, and hydrocosmology and all of that kind of thing. Because, you know, not only are we bodies of water living on a water planet, but the cosmos is so watery. Um you know, in the Bible, it says God separated the water above from the water below to create the bubble of this firmament that we live in. 
And the more we peer into space, like the more that just seems really, really, really true. So 70% of all of the condensed matter in the outer solar system is water. And our solar system is surrounded by a cloud of water vapor called the Kuiper Belt. And the Kuiper Belt, that cloud of water vapor, is surrounded by another cloud of water vapor called the Oort Cloud. Water is everywhere in the cosmos. Water is actually the mother and the midwife of stars. So stars are actually born in these in these nebula, these cloud nurseries. Our star was born uh, in the Orion cloud complex. And in that one, there's enough water to fill the Earth's oceans 10 million times. So water plays a crucial role wow. in the birth of stars. And, and at some point during the life cycle of stars, when stars are young, they actually go through this rite of passage where they start ejaculating huge quantities of water, like enough water to actually fill the Amazon River millions of times through the North and South Pole of the stars. And they're by doing that, they're actually irrigating all of the space around them with the water that will be the seeds that then go on and create other stars in these cloud nurseries. So we think of water as empty space, but it is like a water park up there. There's even a, a quote by, um, I forget the, uh, I forget the astronomer, or I don't even know if it was an astronomer, but someone working at NASA, which I mean, Generally speaking, I think NASA is a giant money laundering organization and I hardly trust anything they say, but I thought this, this quote was particularly interesting. Exactly. He said that, um, that when you move through uh, space, it's basically like walking through a very, very misty, cloudy day. It's like walking through a very thick cloud. So each watershed, basically, like, I, I feel like our whole universe is comprised of watersheds nested within watersheds, right? So it's all fractal in mm -hmm. nature. So each one of your cells is 70% water. Your body is 70% water. The earth is 70% water. 70% of the condensed matter in the outer solar system is water. 70% of the visible universe is hydrogen, which comes from the Latin hydro meaning water and gen meaning generative spirit. So the spirit of water is hydrogen, 70% of the visible universe. Everywhere we look, there's this, this fractal self-similarity of watersheds nested within watersheds. And each one of those watersheds is in communion with all of the other watersheds through the quantum entanglement of hydrogen from the smallest water molecules of your body, all the way up to the cosmic scale. And that's the, the, the holographic nature the beautiful mystery of water itself, how it encodes the fractal matrix of reality into its very molecules. And also, you know, the womb is a water space. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you're describing really to me wombs inside of wombs, which are places that create life of different types and different types of water support different types of life. A couple thoughts that came to me while you were sharing there is one, you know, we, we, we're all familiar with IQ testing and that's one means of measuring intelligence. It's not an effective one, but it is one that's out there. And then in the last, you know, 15 years or so, the concept of spiritual IQ has emerged and then we have emotional IQ, but I think it's high time that we develop water IQ. Mm -hmm. I think we really need to bring water intelligence into the public sphere, uh, literally as a means of survival. And I, I think, you know, the water IQ may be more important than the IQ test that you get at school versus your, because uh, your emotional IQ is going to be directly related to your water IQ mm -hmm. and so is your spiritual IQ. 
And, you know, if you had to say, well, which of those is the most primary? Well, your water IQ is the most primary because without it, you're going to end up killing yourself slowly and uncomfortably anyhow and turn <laughs> yourself into a drug cushion, a pin cushion and a drug dis dispensary. But the other thing that came to me is that, you know, when I look at the body and how it's designed, the nervous system, the central nervous system is cased in bone and put as deep as possible because it's very sensitive and it has to be protected. And so when we're looking at this primary water, my first concern is I wouldn't want anyone drilling down to that primary water until we really understand why Mother Nature buried it so deep. Because yeah. there's probably some very, very important functions to the entire life of the planet itself. And some of those functions that immediately come to my mind is, you know, the, there's a massive amount of crystal in the earth. And crystal, as you know, amplifies frequencies. And we're moving through fields of information as the planet moves around in space. And we know that because we get in a different, you know, when Mercury's in retrograde, it's affecting us. When we have different constellations that affect us. You know, Jesus was born in the sign of Pisces. And then you see that the psyche of man changes as we're under the influence of these different um, astrological configurations. And therefore, the point I'm making is that water is a very, very wickedly receptive um, fluid to frequency of the vast, vast range of frequencies. And when you couple water and crystals, you get an amplifier. So, uh, and then if you look at the concept of the logos and, and without going through a long description, but you have different structures of logos. And so logos is really essentially the divine idea or plan. And our son is said by great seers and, and spiritual masters to be a logos, which guides and directs life in the solar system. So it's kind of like the mother and the planets are in its womb. And so the point I'm making is the, the, the primary water probably has a very important interaction with all the crystals in the earth that are picking up all the information from the other planets and the sun and potentially the entire galaxy or the universe. So taking the water out of the primary water could be equivalent to, to just sucking blood out of somebody's body and they'll just go unconscious at some point and die. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to throw it on the table because I think that human beings are so quick, like you said, to be consumers and say, oh, there's water there, just drill down. And, and, and like you said, we can't keep doing stupid shit with water. And I don't think we should be touching, you know, what could be as important to the earth as our heart is to us until we really understand mm -hmm. why it's there, why it's so deep and what the damage we can do by extracting that. And a good example of that is I've read a number of books talking about the dangers of oil drilling. And, and one of the theories is that oil has to be in the earth because it acts like a buffer for the molten core of the earth. And that it is actually like a shock absorber and, and keeps everything in its right place at the right temperature and keeps uh, the core of the earth from oscillating, just like a, a an engine has to have a uh, oh, I'm brain farting. It's, it's the uh, harmonizer. You put the harmonizer on the crankshaft and it keeps the engine from vibrating too much. But so the theory there is that if we keep extracting oil, we could cause huge problems at the inside the core of the earth. Now, I don't know whether that theory is correct or not, but my only point is we don't really know why that water's there. 
We don't know why it's so deep and we don't know what its ultimate functions are. And until we do, we should not touch it just like we, we shouldn't uh, open people's bodies up and start cutting out organs. A good example of, of how stupid the medical system can be is they, they say that the, the um, appendix is, is a, a remnant that's no longer needed, but it's a key um, lymphatic organ. Yeah, and anybody that has an appendix problem has a, a toxicity problem and needs to really seriously look at their health. And I can't tell you how many people with appendicitis I've worked with in my career. But the point being is, just the way they just cut it out and say we don't need it anymore, is the same attitude that they have towards things on the planet. I think this is just dangerously shallow, very dangerously shallow. It is, and rather than having an an extractive mentality towards it. We have to start having a, a reciprocal communion with water, where we are in this dynamic dance of communication with water. Because again, water is a sentient, intelligent, living entity. It's not just a thing for us to use. And so when we do have this, this communicative relationship with water, like a lot of different indigenous cultures did, you know, they did rain dances and they had practices of dousing and they had hydromancy techniques. I mean, you can find different types of hydromancy in pretty much every single uh, culture throughout history. Hydromancy is basically a form of water divination. There are so many different forms of it throughout the ages. We can go into that a little bit if you want. It's kind of a fun topic, yeah. but specifically with primary water, you know, there are ways of drawing it to the surface, coaxing it, inviting it, praying with it, singing to it, and inviting it mm-hmm. to the surface yes. rather than drilling down. I mean, it's like, you know, the Kogi tribe in Colombia, they have one of the most beautifully intact water cosmologies of, of any living indigenous culture. And one of the many, many, many beautiful teachings that they have about water is that we should see water as the most beautiful woman in the universe and interact with her in that way. And so, you know, for men, see woman, see water as your most dearly beloved, your most cherished lover, your most precious, life-sustaining soulmate, how would you take care of her? How would Mm -hmm. you talk to her? How would you dance with her? How would you seduce her? Um, And as women, we see her, you know, as, as a reflection of ourselves, we see her as our sister, we see her as our mother, we see her as our daughter. And, um, and I think with this mentality, rather than drilling down into the aquifer, which is, you know, akin to rape, basically to just, you know, pull up this, this premature water that hasn't had a chance to gestate yet. It's the same as, you know, cutting open a pregnant woman's belly after three months, instead of letting the, the, fetus come to full term at nine months. Water has a process of gestation and it is born at a spring when it is ready to be born at the spring. And a lot of what determines whether or not it will come to the surface of a spring is how well that ecosystem is tended to above ground. And so if you create the proper conditions for a spring to rise, you can actually not only prolong the life of springs, you know, we're losing so many springs around the world because people don't know how to tend to those areas anymore and to make them uh, havens for the water to come out, you know, keeping them well shaded or uh, building a spring house around it or just keeping the area clear and, and um, you know, building certain 
swells to prevent runoff, all of that kind of thing. You can really caretake the area where a spring is, and you can also uh, really create an area where a spring is more likely to rise if you understand the terrain and the geology and the land of that area. And then potentially, you know, in, if you're into a little bit of woo, involve some involve some dances, involve some prayers, involve, involve some some ceremonies in that area, and invite the water. Let it be a conversation with the water. Well, the fact that that, that that's even woo-woo is, is just a clear indicator <laughs> of how completely and utterly trapped in our heads and disconnected yeah. from life itself that we are. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I'll just leave it right there. But <laughs> yeah, it's a fundamental part of being human. It really is like the relationship with water and the relationship to the quote unquote woo is like so endogenous to what it means to be a human being. And it's taken many thousands of years of Western culture and, you know, the imperialistic mindset to, and, and domestication to beat that out of us and dehydrate us in the process. And I think they really go hand in hand. Well, we, and we know they know how powerful these things are. That's why they made it illegal for Indians to do the rain dance and to do their sacred dances because they found that they got so damn strong you could not control them. Mm-hmm. They, they, you can't. I mean, I read a book called The Fat of the Land by Villamar Stephenson, who was the first person to ever live with the Eskimos, the first white man to live with the Eskimos. And he has in his book, accountings from the U.S. Um, military all the way back then, which is a long time ago, you know, and he's talking, he's showing records of, of when the cavalry was on horses and they were in these battles with the Indians. And they, right in the notes from some of these military commanders were comments like, these Indians are incredibly tough. You can shoot them three times and they will still come after you and kill you. <laughs> and so... They were saying that these people had incredible physical abilities. And so the, the, the reason they outlawed their dances is because they tried to knock their connection to spirit out. And that's exactly what the World Economic Forum's doing. They're trying to tell you there's no such thing as God or a soul. And they're trying to abolish religions and they shut the churches down. I mean, this, this is just. I mean, it, it just boggles my mind that most people are so busy watching stupid shit on their phone and on television. They don't really realize the depth and the danger of what's going on. Hi, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show. I imagine you know that magnesium is one of the minerals that people in North America are the most efficient in, but it's an extremely important mineral to have in your diet regularly. And believe it or not, Bioptimizers has improved what was already well known to be the best magnesium formula out there called Magnesium Breakthrough. So I've got Wade Lightheart with me to explain what it is they've done to improve this already excellent formula. Wade, what is new about your new Mag Breakthrough formula? Well, it's called sucrosomial magnesium. So we have seven different types of magnesium in Magnesium Breakthrough because they're uptaken by different parts of the body. But a new type of magnesium has been created called sucrosomial. And what it shows in the research and science is that it's actually even more absorbable by the body, particularly inside of the brain, which is a big aspect uh, to enhance neurotransmitter formation, as well as ensuring the 
rest and relax response in the nervous system that a lot of people will take magnesium for. They find it, you know, clocks them down, helps them sleep better, allows for the relaxation of striated and smooth muscle tissue in the body, which creates an energetic relief. And so when we added sucrosomial, we were able to demonstrate inside our lab facility that we were able to get better improvements. Of course, we have a partnership with the Birch International University. We have some patents we're working on, uh, which will kind of relay some of these things. But sucrosomial was a no-brainer when we added to the formula, improved the results or improved the uptake. And the reports back from our testing team were like, wow, this we get more results with less caps. And that's always the goal for our company. That's excellent. I love it. I, I always say, and people have probably heard me say it before, I just am so amazed how you guys are constantly and always improving and working your best to not only make better products for us, but it doesn't seem to me that it gets more expensive as you make them better. So that's a real gift to the world. Thank you. Where can people get their new magnesium breakthrough formula? All they need to do is go to www.magbreakthrough.com slash living4d, put in Paul 10, get 10% discount on your first bottle. And of course, if you order multiple bottles, you can get an extensive discount on that as well. And like everything else we sell, 365 day money back guarantee. If this isn't the best magnesium you've ever taken in your life, we demand that you tell us and we can give you your money back. But I think you're probably going to demand, hey, can I get more of this? <laughs> that, that's probably more the truth. So that's mag, M-A-G, breakthrough.com forward slash living number four. And then the letter D code Paul 10. Enjoy deeper relaxation and better nutrition with mag breakthrough. One of the thoughts that, that related to the primary water that came to me is just what I was talking about water and the crystals working together to broadcast the consciousness of the logos into the planet, just like the sun is necessary for life on this planet. So is the frequencies that the earth is moving through in the planetary space that it's in. And the, the, the thought that came to me is, our heartbeat is the epicenter of our very, very life. And if you didn't have water in your body, you could not have a heartbeat. There would be no, there would be no mechanism A to make blood and B, there would be nothing to conduct the electrical pulse wave and the acoustic pulse wave through your body. So, you know, the, the water, the primary water in the earth could be very well a carrier of the pulse of life. And if we don't, take care of our water, you know, then we, it's very much like losing touch with the epicenter of your own being. And when I work with depressed people or, or young people that feel lost and don't know why they're alive or, uh, you know, they can't, they feel so insignificant and so small. One of the practices I give them is I say, put your hand over your heart. If you can't feel your heartbeat, put it on your carotid pulse. And just relax and listen as though you were listening to a medicine man drumming to you and listen to your soul's song. Mm -hmm. And and if you just empty yourself and, and listen deeply to your own soul playing you into existence, you can find why you're here. You can listen to the great mother because the great mother has breathed you into existence and is pulsing your heart every minute of every day because you are here to contribute to
to the plan of life and, and express your co-creative, your unique, unique potentials. So the point being is just as our, our, though is our heart is sacred and it's the center of our existence, my concern is that the primary water of the earth may very well be the same thing and extracting that water may be just like cutting your wrists and bleeding to death and ending your own existence, except on a much bigger scale. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, those are just some thoughts. Some of these things, I'm sorry to say, I, I get... I get pissed off. I just, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I tell you what, man, it's a spiritual practice for me to just try to have empathy and compassion for the level of ignorance. And it's not the ignorance that bothers me. It's the malice because there's a lot of people inside these large corporations. There's no way they could know how to do the trickery they know, unless they know enough about water and everything else we're talking about to know how to sh fuck the system up. Right. Yeah. A medical doctor with his training or her training would be very easily capable of poisoning somebody because they know exactly what will damage the heart or damage the brain or stop the heart, et cetera. And the people that are behind all this know, you know I mean, to have the technology to create COVID vaccinations and 5G control of people, you have to know enough about how all these things work to also know why they're dangerous to the planet and to people. So what upsets me is the malice. I, uh, to me, that's just straight up evil. And I have to take time to, to, to do my own shadow work and healing to address the anger I get inside of me. Because the problem is when you, I can only speak for myself, but it, it, honestly, as a soldier, it makes me mad enough that I feel like I need to round up a bunch of my soldier buddies and start cleaning house. But the problem is now I'm using evil to address evil. And that that that's a, a checkmate that I find myself in a lot. And, and so I have to sit and meditate on how to get that pain out of me. But I, you know, to me, watching what we're doing to the planet is no different than watching people abuse children or sexually abuse or mentally or emotionally abuse children. And I and there's just way too much of that going on as well. So it's, we're in a really spiritual, uh, we're in a real spiritual crisis yeah. and, and, and we're going to have to hold hands and circle the globe and start singing and dancing to get through it. Or, or, or we're going to just die together. And, and as I've said in previous podcasts, wake up in the astral realm going, well, we fucked that up. And now where do we find another planet to ruin? You know, I think it's time for us all to grow up and, and start paying attention to what really matters most. And it isn't a lot of the shit we, we spend so much time and energy investing in. I mean, the whole corporate political thing is really just a big fucking smoke screen. And I'll stop there because I'm starting to get wound up about this shit. But I have another question for you <laughs> well, if you're ready. I mean, well, I completely relate with what you're saying. Of course, it's it's absolutely heartbreaking, especially when you have the eyes to see, right? It's like, this. Yes. How can how can human beings do this? Are they even human? And you know, especially when That's I see when I see what's happening <laughs> with water, because you know, water is being used as a weapon of war. Water has been used as a weapon of war all throughout history. It's the one thing that everybody needs for everything. And so, if you can target water, you can impact and control everything more easily than anything else. So we see it in war torn areas, where you know the the dominant you know battle or the or the dominant um 
what I say, the dominant side of the war will cut off the other person's supply to water or they will purposefully poison their water. And that's really the overt sense of water being used as a weapon of war. But there's a much more covert sense of water being used as a weapon of war. And that's as a part of this silent war that unfortunately we are all experiencing in the Western world right now, where it is still being used as a carrier of poisons and chemical weapons that are being delivered directly into our bodies. It's also being used in this strangely vampiric way where, you know, we have in many cities this toilet to tap system, which is a closed loop system where water comes into people's homes and businesses and then it's used, it's excreted, and then it goes back to the filtration plant, which somewhat filters it to the best of its ability. But you're, it then goes back to homes and businesses and then you drink it again. So the reason why we're finding all of these pharmaceuticals in the water is not because they're dumping pharmaceuticals in the water, but because people are peeing them out and they can't get properly uh, filtered out. So if you're drinking people's filtered pee, people's filtered urine, well, what is urine? It's basically filtered blood plasma with urea and proteins. So it is this strangely vampiric system of drinking each other's blood in the cities where where this is happening, not to mention all of the straight up uh, neurotoxins and poisons and things like atrazine. Atrazine has been known to turn male frogs into female frogs in the wild. The effect that it's having on the human endocrine system is is an absolute horror. It, it should be a war crime, but no one is talking about the silent war. And it's enough to make you lose faith. It's enough to make you get incredibly livid and rageful. But I've found that water even has the answers to this too, at least for myself. So, um, you know, in, in the Taoist tradition, basically the entire Tao Te Ching is a whole book comparing God to water, comparing the Tao to water. The Tao is like water, the infinite energy, the, the primary principle of the universe is like water in all of these different ways. And here are all of the ways that we can learn from water because we can't see God directly, but we can see water. And so water as the body of God can teach us about divinity. And so when we are in a state of emotional turmoil, what can we learn from water? And Water has so much to teach us about humility and about always seeking the lowest place, not seeking to, you know, think that we know everything or think that we have the answers or think that we have have the way and everybody else is wrong or think that, you know, water water accepts everyone regardless of their color, their caste, their creed, regardless of where they're from, regardless of what a shitty toxic person they may be. If you come into a body of water, that water will embrace you no matter what. And, you know, I had the opportunity to study with some Balinese water priests for, I was living down in Indonesia for over a year. And the dominant religion there is a Gamatirta, which is the holy water religion. So they have the most incredibly um, complex, ritualistic, and um, long-standing cultivation of a relationship with water. You know, they've, they've been um, really stewarding their holy water practices for hundreds, thousands of years. And one of the things that's a big part of the culture is doing melukat rituals. And melukat is basically like a baptism, but it's something that anyone and everyone can do all the time. Anytime you do a full moons, you do it new moons, you do it at a birthday, you do it on the weekends, you do it anytime you feel a little bit off. 
and that water, no matter what you bring to it, no matter what rage you bring to it, no matter what heartbreak you bring to it, no matter how broken you feel, no matter if you feel like the crappiest person in the world or you straight up want to murder somebody else who you think is the crappiest person in the world, that water will embrace you and will cleanse you and, and has this ability to teach us unconditional love, unconditional acceptance. Mm. And yet water is a badass. Like water is the strongest thing on the planet. Water can flood a region. Typhoons can destroy a town. You know, hurricanes are, are one of the strongest forces in nature. How is lightning generated? Lightning is generated by the charge forces of water in the atmosphere. Like every water is the queen of this planet. She doesn't take bullshit, but she does accept with humility. And so I think finding that balance and really um, learning from water in that way has, for me, been really helpful in not losing hope or losing faith. They're just get really, getting really angry about things. Like anger can be good medicine, you know, if yeah. you're going to, if you're actually going to become a typhoon, but, um, but I think it can be toxic as well if we hold on to it. Oh yeah, I understand these things, of course. But I felt I would be honest about yeah. sharing my my spiritual tightrope that I'm dancing on quite regularly. Because when you study as much one. as I have in my life, we're only talking about water. I could put twenty five yeah. things on the table that are just as bad and just as dangerous, and the same fucking people are doing the same shit. <laughs> and so you know, it, it's it's. You know, for me, Earth is a spiritual school where we come to learn how to handle the polarities of consciousness to create love and beauty and everything else is an experiment and it's an opportunity to take responsibility for the God force within each of us. We have to, that's what karma is. It says you get to be God, but you also have to be God and take responsibility for what you create. You, you punch somebody in the face. That's what you created. They're going to punch you back most likely. And that's your responsibility to deal with that. That's, you know, that's at, at, at its core. Karma is action reaction. And I, uh, you know, I think that we can't wait for other people to fix the problem. We can't sit around waiting for uh, a Donald Trump or any other person, even Robert F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, if he becomes president, won't be worth anything if we don't get together with him and work together to make the world a better place and cross your fingers because the closer he gets to that presidency the more lead there will be pointed at him because we already see how that's played out so um well, bless you know at, at the end of the day it's 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 a we're in a we're in a legitimate rite of passage where human beings must now become adults and take responsibility for their home, yeah. for the earth, for each other, and stop waiting for other people to fix stuff and stop waiting for somebody to put food on their plate. And, you know, we've got to get out of the child archetype now. And the, in, in native tri tribes and societies, if you didn't pass your test into adulthood for the men, some of them would kill you because they just couldn't carry useless people. I'm sorry, but that's just the reality of it. And, um, and some of the tribes, they would give them another year with the women. But then the warriors would, would you know, 
prod them and say, look, you're with the girls. You, you're not a warrior yet. So get your shit together because you get one more try at this and then that's it. Yeah. And, and I have so much compassion for how hard it is for some people to do that. Because even though I completely agree with you, that is what is necessary. That is the crux that we are at as a species at this point in time is, are we going to step up to the plate? Not just collectively, but really individually, each and every one of us, are you going to step up to the plate of your life? And most of the people are drinking fluoridated water, which disables that capacity. Most people are drinking dead, devitalized, dormant water, which creates such stagnation in their bodies. Most people are, are, mm-hmm. are not physiologically or energetically capable of it because they're not actually tapping into that source of free energy. They don't have access to that reservoir of hydration that literally plugs you in like an antenna, yes. like a plug to all of the energy from source and from the universe. So no, it's no wonder they feel disconnected. It's no wonder they feel disempowered. Yes. And, 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 and I understand that. And that's why this podcast is devoted. And look, I've got 830 something videos on my YouTube channel for free to teach people. I mean, almost anybody on this planet could just on my YouTube channels, learn how to get healthy. All they got to do is go there and watch and do it. Yeah. It's such an amazing point in time that we're living at now that everything is right at your fingertips. Like it's possible. It's possible for everyone. We just all have to play our little role and we have to keep getting it out there and we have to keep meeting people and yeah, just being a, being a living example of it. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, I think we're going through what we're going through because it's part of our own maturation process as spiritual beings we're we're learning to really see the consequences and the power of free will you know osho said the most dangerous thing in the world you'll ever experience is freedom and almost anybody that has reached a level of authentic freedom has been killed for it and people attack free people you know and i think we're in a spiritual growth and development process where we come to learn the responsibility of creating freedom and accepting the spiritual responsibility of being a leader from a place of freedom, knowing that it could be how you get yourself killed. But I tell people all the time, I'd far rather die giving my best effort to heal the planet and help people wake up. And, you know, if if they were to execute me or you know many people were were sending me emails and still do like paul aren't you worried that they're gonna you know attack you or defame you or take you out for all the things you're saying on your podcast and i say well look there's no better way to die than knowing that you were being honest and doing your very best for everybody and and so for me that's just a risk Mm -hmm. that we all have to take and you know that's the difference between a hero's death and a and and something else and so i think we're all right there Everyone's going to die, but not everyone is going to fully live. That's it. So the goal should not be to not die. The goal should be to fully live. Yeah. And I can say that I've really lived. I've, I've enjoyed a really rich life of mm-hmm. diversity and diversity in study and, and learning so that I could understand what was important. And being raised on a farm, you know, it's a lot easier because <laughs> you get your report card every day. You forget to water and feed animals. You starve to death and you go broke. You, you know, you don't go, do a good job. There's a consequence. So one of the things I think would tremendously help our whole world population is if we stop depending on big food suppliers and commercial food suppliers and 
started just thousands and thousands of small farms and really got the great farmers of the world to be on television and guide everybody so that we all could actually see. I tell people all the time, you know, because I deal with a lot of people having health problems and mental emotional problems. So you'll probably get a chuckle out of this. A lot of these things, boil, especially with younger people, they boil down to a lack of responsibility. So here's one of my exercises, one of my healing exercises. Go choose a plant from a nursery that you really like and water that plant and take care of that plant and develop a relationship with it. And you would not believe how many people's plants die because they forget to water them and take care of them. And I say, there you go. That plant is a symbol for your body. And the reason the plant died is the same reason you're sick, because you're not paying attention to what it takes to nurture life. So you need to reorient your life towards life, yes. not towards distractions. There's mixed opinions from various scientists and water experts regarding EMF pollution, such as 5G, 5G satellites influence on the water. Some say it doesn't do anything to water. Others, such as uh, Dolph Zantinga, express serious concern regarding the damage we're doing to water with all the EMF radiation, such as being bombarded by satellites. And we also have other high-frequency devices, such as radar and a bunch of other military applications. And, you know, Dolph Zantinga told me that when they exposed water to 5G, in their laboratory, even high-quality structured water, it literally killed the water. Um, and so that's a, a bit of a concern. Dolph expressed to me real concern about these satellites and how, what they could do to the oceans and the rivers and the lakes and the streams. Um, you know, I know you've spent far more time even than I have studying these things. I'd love to hear what your concerns are on this very issue. Yeah, I think it's a it's a huge concern. I think it's one of the most um, important factors affecting the health of every living being on this planet right now. And yet, because it's a somewhat invisible one, it's not really, um, you know, it's it's not in the in the common the common awareness right now. But you know, water is extremely minutely sensitive. She's been called the sensory organ of the universe because she picks up on subtle vibratory frequencies of every kind along at least 60 octaves. You know, that's, that's one of her yeah. primary roles in nature. When water is healthy, water receives and integrates and transmits vibratory signals when water is healthy in nature, right? So, so the reason why water has this role as a receiver, as an antenna of electromagnetic frequencies is because she's meant to receive and integrate and transmit these vibratory frequencies from the earth and the moon and the sun and all of the heavenly bodies. You know, Theodore Schwenk did some beautiful research on this. He's one of my favorite water researchers. Um, and he yeah, said I've that, read a couple of his, one of his books at least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah probably uh, the sensitive chaos, which is another name for water is the sensitive chaos. And in, in that's the one, that's the one where he, he talks about this, that, that water is actually weaving all living beings on earth into this vibratory conversation between the heavenly bodies. And, and it actually communicates the choreography of the frequencies of the planets and stars into our bodies so that we can more harmoniously integrate ourselves into, into existence as a whole, into the universe as a whole, into the symphony of the wholeness of universal consciousness, right? But that's not what's happening with our water anymore, right? Quite the opposite. So that's, that's 
what water sensitivity to electromagnetic frequencies is for, or at least part of what it's for. That's healthy water in nature. But all of the water that we drink has not only not been exposed to those signals, those natural signals, instead has been drilled prematurely, kept in stagnant bottles, fluorescent lighting, left in dark, you know, plastic, plastic, dark holding tanks and pipes. It's not getting those light frequencies or those electromagnetic signals. It's not getting the time it needs with the geomagnetic um, rock formations uh, in the aquifers during the gestational process because it's pumped up prematurely. All of those electromagnetic influences, it's basically devoid of in the first place. And then on top of being devoid of those signals that it needs to have within it, it's also exposed to all kinds of non-native electromagnetic fields that are super disharmonious. And they basically create this kind of like noise, right? There's just noise, there's signals that are disrupting its ability to actually receive those signals from the cosmos. So it's not just that the water is resonating with Wi-Fi and cell phone signals and 5G and all of this kind of stuff. It's not just that the water is resonating with these disharmonious frequencies and these artificial signals, which which the life forms that that water then nourishes, that that water then becomes, those life forms are not biocompatible with those signals, but it's also that it's actually being prevented from receiving the frequencies that it should have, the information that our bodies need. So if you think of water as being a, di- a dipolar molecule, so, so each water molecule has a North Pole and a South Pole, like a magnet, right? Then you'll see that when water is exposed to this really strong radiation, the North and the South Poles can actually flip-flop on each other Like if you imagine with structured water, if you imagine all of the poles of a whole lot of magnets really lining up really well with stability and with structure, that's what allows electromagnetic energy and information to pass smoothly among them because all of the poles of magnets are lined together in that electrical force, that electrical energy, like just like a circuit board, it can pass easily through. That's the ideal water, right? So that's what we want. But, and, and, and when that happens, water becomes a superconductor, right? Some water that's highly structured, Dr. May Wanho talked about it. And I know you're super familiar with all this already, but you know, it becomes a superconductor. So through proton tunneling, through jump conduction, it can actually transmit signals and frequencies faster than the speed of light. But if that water is being irradiated, through 5G or something else, all of those little magnets are always shifting around. And so then the structural integrity of their hydrogen hydrogen bond connections, they get disrupted and they lose their structure and they can no longer carry those signals in a really coherent way. And I think one of the most interesting um, kind of ripple effects that we're just starting to see um, and actually that I know of, Dolph Zantica's team is one of the only teams actually looking into this right now. They've been Uh, researching the effect of these signals on the bacteria of water, which as you were saying before, is really crucial. The the microbiome of water is a big part of what makes water a whole well-rounded being, just like your microbiome is what makes you a whole well-rounded being. You have 1.3 other organisms for every one of your own cells. We are literally more other beings than we are ourselves, right? More, More other beings than we are ourselves. And all of those microorganisms are aquatic organisms. They live within the aquarium of our aquatic terrain and all water should have this. And so 
we tend to think of clouds as just being water vapor, but actually clouds even are filled with zillions of microorganisms. And all of these microorganisms in the clouds are intelligently communicating and they're orchestrating important things for the ecology, for the climate, for the hydrological cycle, when to rain, when not to rain, and other things that human beings probably can't even conceive of. But if you're beaming 5G and other signals, satellite signals, radio frequencies, whatever, through the clouds, it disrupts the signaling of those bacteria so that then they can't communicate with each other anymore. And at this point, we don't even know the full range of the downstream effects that that will have over time, besides just disrupting, further disrupting weather patterns. The good news about this, though, is that, so Dolph Zentiga and his team are obviously looking into, you know, ways that they can mitigate this with the Analemma. Um, again, you know, I highly recommend the Analemma wand for people. You can find it at waterislife.shop. It restores the full spectrum, the natural frequencies, the light frequencies, all of that. Well, there's actually a discount code in my oh, show perfect. notes from that podcast. So people can get a discount on the Analemma water wand. Uh, just search the podcast Dolph, Z-A-N-T-I-N-G-E. And it's a very good podcast to listen to. And it, it, it goes even into other areas than what uh, Isabel and I are talking about right now. Uh, but uh, you can get a discount. I think it's a $189 product or something like that. And I can't remember what the discount is, but it's significant enough to be worth investing in it. If, you're in, if you've stuck with the podcast this far, you definitely want to go listen to Dolph Zantinga yeah. drop some serious knowledge and bombs on us. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. I'm going to have to go listen to that one too. I didn't know that you had, a, when, before we chatted today, I didn't know you had talked to him. So yeah, everybody definitely listen to that podcast. And actually, if you wanted to have Jonathan Butts on too, he's an amazing water scientist. He's a, he's a dear friend of mine and he's doing some really cool uh, work in this field too. He, I don't think he's even published this one yet, um, but I saw the findings. He did this experiment that showed that when water is exposed to a really, really structurally degrading frequency, under certain conditions, it can actually transmute that frequency. So water is so intelligent and works on behalf of life and evolution to such an extent that it can take almost anything and turn it into a positive, but only under the right conditions. So if you give water periodic breaks from the signal, then the water has a chance to, to rest and to integrate. And then when you turn that frequency back on again, the water has actually learned to upgrade and refine that frequency to a more life-supporting signal. And it continues to do this every single time the exposure is turned on and then, and then turned off and there's like this alternation um, between the between the signal and the rest period, so it's able to continuously and again and again upgrade and refine the signal that it feeds back in response to the signal that it's receiving. Now, here's the cool part: is that it actually does this by the phi ratio. It does this by the mm. golden mean. So it will take the signal that it's exposed to, and then what is fed back to it is upgraded by literally the the signature of of nature itself and it may be that the reason why the signature of nature is the phi ratio is because primarily of water's ability to do this that this may be a big part of the driving factor of of evolution and of growth itself so basically this water is is performing these complex mathematical problem solving skills in order to literally evolve anything harmful into something more natural so um you know 
most of us don't give our bio water enough of a break from the 5G signals and from our cell phones and from our computers and all of that to necessarily give our, our, our body water the optimal chance to adapt. And again, this is just preliminary findings. It hasn't been tested on body water, all of this kind of thing. But it makes sense that our bio water would have a built-in capacity to continuously adapt to its environment and to turn anything into a positive potentially. I mean, there are some people who say that if you were to take a person from, you know, 500 years ago and teleport them to modern day, they wouldn't be able to survive the amount of radiation and um, radio waves and and frequencies and Wi-Fi and all of that, because we've had this time for our bio water to actually adapt to that. And they didn't have those adaptations back then. And I'm not saying by any means that 5G is harmless and we'll just adapt to it. And so we shouldn't worry about it. That's, (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that water is incredibly powerful and that we shouldn't underestimate her her uh, capacity to handle things, but we're not giving her those opportunities to rest and integrate. So, you know, I, I get really concerned about the 5G antennas on the water towers in particularly that are just constantly beaming this because what we see with the water that doesn't have a chance to rest and adapt when it's just constantly fed a certain signal, um, it becomes really aggressive. It becomes really, really aggressive water. And um, it can actually act out. It's it's funny because when you hear uh, Jonathan talk about some of the things that they've seen in the laboratory, like they'll expose water to a certain frequency long enough and then it'll literally just zap the frequency back into the computer equipment. They've actually fried whole computers that way because the water was just like, nope, that's it. I've had enough. And the water just zapped it all and they fried a computer. So <laughs> water is powerful. That's very um, interesting. Mm-hmm. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, but I think the primary concern with the with the radio waves is not just the water in the ecosystem, but in our bio waters that it causes dehydration, it causes cell clumping, um, and you Feeding, can actually see that it, inflammation. Inflammation. It actually causes your well. Inflammation is a type of dehydration, and it even causes brain waves to change. So they've seen that you know when you're in the presence of four and five G, your brain waves even start to change. Yeah. So every fluid system of the body is affected. But the good news around that as well is that the more hydrated you are, the more of a buffer that you actually have against the effects of of these uh, toxic frequencies. So if you are, you know, if like water will tend to resonate with whatever is the strongest frequency in its environment. If that's artificial, then your gap junctions can start to resonate at the wrong frequency. Even your cell membranes can be like slightly off key in their vibration of their cellular voltage, which disrupts how much water you can absorb and retain all of this. But if you're well hydrated, you have kind of a a kind of a buffer against that. Like, especially if you have the proper structure of your intracellular fluid, the proper depletion, uh, deuterium depletion of your bio water, they can be really um, effective strategies against the negative effects of radiation because the more hydrated you are, the less damage these, these waves can do. And, and likewise, if you're generating stronger fields of energy than your Wi-Fi router is generating because you're practicing loving kindness meditation or you're you're practicing strong brainwave coherence or you're really cultivating your own strong vibration, then your bio water will be a lot less likely to resonate with an external frequency because typically water is just going to resonate most with whatever the strongest frequency in that environment is. And most people are kind of at the whim of their external influences, right? And so their bio waters are constantly uh, influenced 
by, you know, what TV show they're watching or what Wi-Fi router they're around or what piece of news they saw. But if you're really cultivating a, a strong internal state of being, then that's going to be the strongest resonance in your in your field and your bio water is going to tune to that more so than it would to like a, a Wi-Fi router or something. Yeah, a couple of things. Um, you know, one example I give people that, that have a hard time conceiving how these invisible waves can actually do anything to your body. I say, look, have you ever eaten food out of a microwave? And almost everybody has. I say, go, here's an experiment for you. You take an egg, cook it in a microwave, and then cook an egg on your stove or poach an egg on your stove and compare the difference in the texture, the quality, and the feeling and pay attention to what happened to the egg in the microwave. It's not at all the same thing. It's like something wrong with it. Anything cooked in a microwave is toxic, poisonous, and, and damaged. Even water shouldn't be heated mm -hmm, in microwaves. Definitely. In fact, in the research I've done, when the Russians confiscated German tanks, they found they had microwave ovens in them during the Second World War, and they tested them, and they found they were so dangerous, they made it illegal to have them or use them. And so um, the other thing that is very important for people to realize, um, and, and, and some of the most in, uh, listened to podcasts I've ever done, they're in the top 10 of all time listened to podcasts, is my podcast with Ibrahim Karim, the founder of Biogeometry. And Doria Kareem, who did my second podcast, first I did Ibrahim and Doria together. Then we did Doria to clarify questions people had. And then we did a third one with Ibrahim for our 200th episode celebration. But biogeometry technology, the home kit's only like $250. And it'll do 4,000 square feet. It comes with applications for your water mains and for your electrical mains. And it is incredibly effective. So for 250 bucks, you can radically change your living environment and support your water in amazing ways. And if you want to hear some awesome stuff, listen to my podcast with Doria and Ibrahim Kareem. And there the, you can get a discount code and you can get all the uh, information to buy the home kit. They're pendant, which helps heal your organs and glands and keeps you stable. They're L90, which blocks... Uh, damaging frequencies of all types, even psychic frequencies. So there are some options uh, for us out there to help get us healthy enough to get into the game and start healing the planet together. Um, Isabel, we're, we're only about halfway through the question. So what I'd like to do, because I have another podcast coming up and I need time to eat lunch, would you be willing to get together again and, and go through the rest of what we haven't covered today and, and share more. Yeah, I would be happy to I love chatting with you. This has been fun. Yeah, it's very fun. And, and, and maybe what we can do is we're, 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 uh, let's see, we're on question five out of, I don't know what it was. I think um, like 15. <laughs> 15. So why don't you look through those and then add anything you want just share to me for our next podcast what you think is most important for people to hear. We'll bounce it back and forth and I'll have Penny just reschedule you and we will co continue to go into this because as, as you know, we haven't got into the juiciest stuff, which is the spiritual, the deep spiritual stuff. Because yeah. I wanted to cover kind of the nuts and bolts for the average person first. But by the time the people have listened to this podcast, I'd like to really get into the 
spiritual and the consciousness mm-hmm. stuff and the, the things that you and I have been going back and forth with on email. And, and I, I really just think that we, we can help people understand water at a spiritual level in ways that could become part of their daily spiritual practice and, and really help change the consciousness about water in the world. Um, so before we call it for today, where can people find you? What would you like to make people aware of? You know, I know you've got courses, you've got a website. Um, feel please share whatever services you offer, anything that you want to share so that people can find you. Cause I got to tell you, I've studied a lot of stuff on water. I've got, I've probably got 50 books on water and I've read a lot. I've read all Schauberger's stuff. I've read Steiner's stuff. I've read a lot. And I got to give it to you, Isabel, for a young woman, you are just on fire. I mean, it's like God's breathing the spirit of water right through you. And I've, I've, it's one thing to talk to someone that knows a lot about water, but man, I really feel your soul. And you're, you're like the reincarnation of mother water coming to wake people up. And I'm really grateful that you're here. You know, you're a great example of a soul who, who is following her whole soul impulse to, to come do what she came to do for the world. And I, I'm very proud of you. And I just really want people to know that Isabel has great courses and her writings are full on. I don't care how many fucking PhDs you have. <laughs> Isabel's got something for you, baby. So just, I just want you to know I'm, I'm very deeply appreciative of you and your, your commitment and your passion and, and what you offer to everybody. And that's why I wanted you to be on the show so people could realize there is people like you out there and we need to support you. So how, how can people find you and learn from you and, and support you in supporting them? Oh, well, just, I mean, thank you so much. I'm so touched. That's, that's such a beautiful reflection. I really appreciate that. And I feel very blessed to have yeah, found this work that I get to do every day. And I just, I love it. And it's, you know, just serving water is one of the most ecstatic things that, that you can do. And so thank you for, for seeing that and for, and for acknowledging that and for having me on the podcast. I hope this first installment has been really uh, helpful for a lot of people. And if people want to continue diving in deeper, um, like you said, I have a lot of courses, I have workbooks, I have webinars, people can book me for private consultations, all of that is at waterslife.academy and listeners of this podcast can get 10% off any of the courses if they use the code living4d and um, in particular if people are interested in more of the spiritual and the esoteric aspects of water wisdom i really recommend the course the spirit of water it's 18 hours of just the most in-depth you know spiritual esoteric teachings about water. Um, if you're interested more in kind of the hydrobiology of your water and biohacking hydration and how to have healthy internal waters and how our inner hydrology is mirrored by the hydrology of mother earth, I have a course called internal oceans. Um, if you want to find water alchemy tools, filters, structures, etc., you can shop at waterslife.shop. Um, People inevitably always ask me the number one question that I get a a thousand times more than anything else is what filter do you recommend? And um, so I'll just throw that out there. Now the one I recommend is called the Spring Aqua Wet 7. You can also find that at waterslife.shop. It filters, structures, balances, energizes, and suffuses the water with molecular hydrogen. Um, 
you can sign up for the newsletter at waterislife.love. And then I'm most active on Instagram, which is just my name at Jen Isabel Friend. And then I'm on YouTube as well as Isabel Friend. And I hope people will come find me and stay in touch and reach out and say hello. I'm sure they will. And and um, I'm grateful that you're accessible and, and that you've got all these services you just shared because, uh, you know, water is one of those things, as you know, where there's so much conflicting information. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you, you can read five books and get five radically opposed viewpoints on water. Yeah. So it takes somebody like you that's actually synthesize a lot of information to weed out, you know, which what's the silliness and the cheesy stuff from the good stuff. And, um, and, and that's what a, a master is for. That's what, what, a, what a mentor is for when, when, you know, we're all on the hero's journey and every hero has to find a mentor in order to prepare them for the ordeal. Mm-hmm. And I think in many ways you are the mentor to prepare us so that we don't have to go through more of an ordeal than we need to go through because we're already in the ordeal, but yeah. we're lacking mentors. So if I'm here to do anything, I'm just here to point people towards water as the mentor. I'm just here to facilitate a deeper personal communion between each person and the water itself, because the water has all of the answers you need. The waters within you has all of the answers that you need. The waters in your ecosystem has all of the answers that we need. I don't want to be the teacher. (laughs) I just want to point people towards the infinite primordial, you know, ever present teacher of water that has all of the wisdom codes and all of the memory throughout all the universe. I do appreciate that, but I'll give you an analogy for that. I can just tell people, talk to your soul and send them home, or I can teach them how to make contact with their soul, which will give you the same answers that the water will. So Mm -hmm. it takes the mentor to help clear the blockages you have and orient your consciousness and give you the wisdom you need to understand that this isn't foo-foo, this is real so that you have the confidence that you can connect with water and and be guided. So it takes a mentor to get to the mentor. And I think you're the mentor that gets us to the mentor. Oh, thank you so much for that. And thank you for being such an incredible mentor to this entire community and all of the lives that you've touched and all of the books that you've written and all of the blessings that you're bringing to this planet. You are such a bright light and such an inspiration. And I'm really honored to come chat with you and excited to know you and to get to know you better and for the conversations we've been having. They've been such a joy. So thank you for all that you are. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm grateful that you acknowledge the work I do. And um, it's been fun sharing chapters that I've written with you and getting your feedback. It's been so fun getting a sneak peek into those. I'm really excited to read the one about CSF. I printed it out, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it's on my nightstand. I'm like, oh, yeah, good. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm still trying to access that course that the guy did on cerebral spinal fluid and water. But when I got the link to the recording, I couldn't get it to to come on. So it was some kind of a problem there. And so I have to figure that out. Oh, Dr. Maro Zapatero's one. I think so. Yeah. 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 I'm excited to see that too. I, got, I haven't tried the recording link yet, but that's going to be a good one. Yes. Well, thank you to all of you for joining us today. And I hope you're excited to hear Isabel's return. I know I sure as hell am. And thank you to all of our sponsors for all your love and your amazing products. And thanks for all of you uh, for buying things from the sponsors. When you use your Living 4D code, a little bit of that goes to the podcast to help me keep doing the research and paying the team to make the podcast. And 
you know, making, you know, we all have to eat. So thank you for supporting me so I can support you. And thank you guys for being the change and inspiring others and, you know, loving each other into awakening so we can all do our best and forgive me for expressing my anger at some of these things. Don't emulate my I bad love parts. It. I love emulate my no, you're real. You're authentic. <laughs> Hell yeah. We're all angry about that stuff. <laughs> Let's get all the listeners so riled up that we actually go out and make change in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got to tell me here I am a 61 year old man and I still got that 22 year old warrior in me. He just comes up and surprises <laughs> me now and then. Like, oh, yeah, oh, and the cells is. of a 10-year-old as well, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully maybe 11 or 12. Now that was when I was 54. So that was like, I don't know, eight. Seven, oh, no, eight your cells ago, are but... just hitting puberty. No wonder you're angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem right there. <laughs> now, I, now I have an excuse. I can, I can <laughs> tell the, the girls. Forgive me for looking at all these beautiful women. I'm Isabel says I'm just going through puberty. <laughs> thank you, doctor, for, for thank you for giving me an excuse to continue to behave like a young man sometimes. All right. Well, all right, everybody. Lots of love. Isabel, thank you. You're amazing. And I look forward to uh, much more soon. Me too. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Isabel Friend. Follow Isabel on Instagram at Jen Isabel Friend or check out her website, waterislife.shop for all things water-related, including tools for evaluating, filtering, structuring, balancing, and energizing water. Living 4D listeners can receive 10% of any of Isabel's water courses at waterislife.academy. Just use the code LIVING4D at checkout to save 10%. That's waterislife.academy and the code is LIVING4D. Catch up with Paul on Instagram, TikTok, and threads at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living4d with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at checkinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs, and to learn more about the Czech Academy. You can read the show notes and find links to the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our premier sponsors by Optimizers, Paleo Valley and Organifi and our newest sponsors, Ned and Wild Pastures. Please show your appreciation by taking advantage of their special discounts for listeners. The links are in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review on the podcast platform of your choice. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, and YouTube.